You're listening to another episode of iFanboy Talk Explode with Jim McCann of Marvel Comics. I've made up my mind. Don't need to think it over. If I'm wrong, I am right. Don't need to look no further. This ain't lost. I know this is love. If I tell the Hey, welcome to another edition of iFanboy Talksplode. I'm Ron, and as always, I'm here with... Connor. And I'm Josh. And we have a very special guest in the iFanboy studios, Mr. Jim McCann. And I'm Jim. Welcome, Jim. (laughs) All right. Sorry, you guys got to say I'm, so I wanted to say, and I'm Jim. (laughs) Or I could say it like Connor. Jim. Jim. (laughs) I I only introduce myself in full sentences. These these dangling predicates are not... For me, I'm trying to make them laugh now. Yeah, it's so not working. I so, you know what? Somewhere though, there's an English teacher who's like, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> that's my that's boy." Funny. Man, he's so past AP English. Not a dang good question. <laughs> I don't think that's real. <laughs> so we're here for our annual chat with Mr. Jim McCann, who is. Um, going to be annual. Well, we can do it sooner because that's just how our schedules. Okay. Yeah, so it happened to be annual. Yeah. But um, it can be it can be weekly if you want. We'll meet back here and it'll be oh, great. Oh, yeah. That means you have to come back from, like, San Francisco. I know, yeah, You'll exactly. You'll bring us your block and we'll all have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just learning what that is. So, yeah. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, Jimmy Cann's been, um is employed at Marvel. And uh, before and before we dive into this, why don't you tell us what you do for Marvel, for those who might not know who you are. I'm in Marvel's marketing, PR, publicity. Every time I see an interview that I've done, somebody credits me as something different. Nice. I've been a maven, a guru. Um, I believe we called you a guru. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Excellent. That's my word. And, and if you've ever been to a I'm comic a convention, do you see I me? am the convention dude, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, I uh, you host the panel. You must say something. The business guy. Well, see, that's the weird thing, and that's the like, odd thing. I... Gone kind of from assistant manager of sales communication. That's Yeah, thank you. Which is the the weirdest title of all time. To, I'm not sure what my title is at the moment. It's like assistant manager of marketing consultant. I don't know. I really just want a car. My card has Spider Man on it. Nobody (laughs) looks at what my title is. They see my name, they see Spider Man, they go, ooh. They don't get beyond. I don't even know if they get beyond Jim. They're like, oh, Spider Man. Jim Spider Man. Jim Spider Man. Jim Spider Man. Hardware on the street. So, um, so you're so you work at Marvel, and, and yes. because of that, we talked to you a lot about what's going on with the books, and so it's we true. we thought we um, as we did. I'm the hype machine. You are. Let's just machine. say I'm the hype machine. That's a, gra- that's a great title. Hype. Quickly, quickly, what sold out today? <laughs> He's going to hit him. Uh, <laughs> I, I do believe that um, Amazing Spider-Man 574, which if you did not read, was a really good issue, standalone issue about Flash Thompson. Being working at Marvel, you're privy to a lot of insight info, and so we uh, put up a thread on iFanboy.com. We invited all uh, the members of the iFan base to leave a question for you. Yes. Um, and so this is a Thank you, community interview, and so we're just going to dive right in. Let's um, dive in. Our, so our first question comes from um, Roy Vampire, um, who asks, Why isn't Paul Jenkins writing the new Century series? Don't get me wrong, I'm loving it so far, but why not put the creator of the character on the new book? Um, Just right into the hot seat. My, <laughs> can I answer this? Can I answer this question with a question? Sure. Um, what new century series? 
Maybe the Jeff Parker. The Age of Century. The Age of Century. The, ah, thank you. Okay, because I was sitting here going, now. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gotta be that. What? Now. Okay, Age of Century. Thanks, sorry, Roy Vampire, to think that this question came from four years ago. <laughs> um, when Paul Jenkins did write a, a Century series, uh, the Age of the Century series was written specifically with um, one directive in mind from Jeff Parker. Paul gave his blessing. Paul is a really, really busy guy right now doing his stuff. And, you know, sometimes certain creators are in for only working on certain characters and vice versa. But that doesn't mean that those toys only belong to those people. Um, and Paul was completely in the loop with what was being done. These are stories told from when the century existed. There were air quotes there. For those of you, since this is an audio podcast. Um, so wait, are you saying that the century may not have actually existed in the 60s? It, well, he air quoted it. <laughs> that throws this whole thing in conjecture. Did you catch it? <laughs> I just killed a mosquito. I thought you were catching my air quotes. I don't want this to be conjecture. I want to find your air quotes and catch them. There is one live mosquito left in my apartment. He's been eating me alive. And now you're dying. I, no, I missed it. Uh, uh, anyway, somebody please get him some chopsticks. <laughs> that was a good way. That was a good distraction from the century topic. It was, yeah. So moving on. So are there any plans for more century books, or is that? He's dead now. Uh, Sorry, I just said that a lot. Inner voice. Inner voice. Yeah. Roy Vampire likes the century. I believe it's Wa, as in King of Vampires. Oh. Roy Vampire is a different kind of thing altogether. Oh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's Wa. Right. It's King in French. Oh, I'm, I'm, like I'm, King Vampire. Because uh, New Orleans is the All right. Vampire. All right, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roy Vampire works up a bit. So King Vampire. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't speak French. Uh, Roy Vampire works with Jim Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just stopped listening. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, Century. century. Century books. Oh, yeah, Century. Uh, while there will not be a Century title, most likely, in the year 2009, Century does play a very pivotal role in 2009. And yes, there is a reason for his existence, so stop looking at me like that. Have long. you seen my other website? <laughs> what, I hate century.com. Killthecentury.com. Oh, nice. Close. How did I know? It made come a joke a couple weeks ago. Somebody wrote in, they said, did you know there's a website dedicated to killing the century? And it was the URL. I was like, oh, that was wow. a joke I didn't mean for anybody to find. It was <laughs> but um, yeah, no, century. I don't listen to what Joe Casada says, because yeah. he's not going to listen to this. He's feeling better. <laughs> Finally, we get it answered. All right, so I love you, Joe. Please don't fire me. <laughs> the next question is from Paul Montgomery. He's one of yeah. our writers. Question number two, ten yeah. minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Marvel has a huge presence on Twitter. How do you feel about Twitter as an outlet for promoting comics? Do you think writers and artists on Twitter lie and say they're working just to keep their editors happy or they? Wow. Oh my god, no, it's quite the opposite. If you notice, writers and editors, uh, or I'm sorry, writers and artists on Twitter. Specifically, if they're twittering, they're not working. So the editors know that they're not working. <laughs> they're doing. So, they're not actually doing. Yeah, it. Actually, at least at their computer. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's not. Yeah, that is true. And there are times I have a tendency to Twitter when I've completed something because I am actually paranoid that every editor at Marvel has a Twitter account. Um, that's like you know, 
Yeah. Roy Vampire 72, um, or Wall Vampire, however you say it, is is really Tom Brevoort. <laughs> and following me and seeing, oh, you know, you but should be working. Would you say Would you say the Twitter emergence this year has, like, it's because it's a lot of comics folk. Oh, yeah, things. it's so cool. It was, you know, I think one of the things that was really cool about it is um, Ryan Panar, oh, wait. Ancient name. Yeah, we added him at San Diego. Did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, we uh, put him on video, and we said his name is Ryan. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. That was well, um, Agent M, Ryan Panagos, who works at Marvel.com. Twitter.com uh, slash Agent underscore M. Yes, or at sign Agent Oops, underscore yeah. M. Yeah. yeah. Nerd um, Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, for those of you looking to find him, yeah. um, he had been on Twitter for oh, a good two or three months, and... The joke was anything that was said within his office, he would instantly Twitter. Like, no matter what it was, he would just Twitter about it. And so, you know, we, we knew of this Twitter thing. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, we went to, I guess, God, it may have been before San Diego. I can't remember. It was one of the conventions. Um, and they were like, why don't you join, Jim? And a couple of other people. And so we did, and it actually was funny because we were able to kind of try and find each other. It was like an electronic version of Marco Polo um, at a convention. Like, we would Twitter where we were so that we could find each other, but then also Twittering, like, all right, panel just got over, and then Agent M actually kind of took it up a notch. It was like, hey, find me, and it became Where's Waldo? Um, and it, it brought the fans in, and Ron, you and I talked a little bit about this, um, and I think Twitter and a lot of the social networking, or I hate this term, but Web 2.0 um, things have really kind of helped bring people in, which that's one of the things that Marvel really does best and always has. Well, it um, feels like a return to the age of the stand soapbox. Exactly. And stuff. Stan always pulled the stand, stand always pulled back the curtain. That mm-hmm. was that was one of the things and one of the hallmarks of Marvel. It's something that Joe does. Joe yeah. in his cup of Joe, um, in his weekly columns, and and now we all kind of get to do it. I know some people are like they get a little frustrated maybe if somebody tweets. Has a, I hate using that as a yeah. Word. I don't like that term. Yeah, I say Twitter. Uh, I say Twitter. Uh, thank Twitter. you. Yeah, if somebody if somebody posts, don't say that. Yeah, don't say tweets. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody posts, you know, oh my god, I just saw these pages and they're amazing and. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may hate that, but others it may get them a little bit excited about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it also may let other people know that, yeah, there's actually work being done. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Does that answer your question, Paul Montgomery? He did. He, he's fine. Okay, good. Uh, with more and more people enjoying uh, comic book-based movies, do you yes. think it's essential now more than ever is that creative teams make their comics more accessible to new readers? Uh, ask Drake Dangers. Um, accessibility to new readers... Um, is something that uh, Joe Gasada and it's it, Bill Jemis actually. Uh, Bill Jemis, say what you will about the man, um, he is the one who made us do recap pages at the beginning of the comics. It started with Bill, but um, he's they, stand over in DC. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> I mean, that, that's the one thing that Marvel Comics have over in DC right now. Is just that 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 first page. Well, absolutely every uh, book should be. I mean, it's a tenet that said over and over again. Every book is somebody's first book, and to the point where it's almost cliche, but it's still true. 
especially given your question, Drake Danger? Drake yeah. Dangerous. Yes, Drake Dangerous. I mean, you hit it right on the nose. Every comic is uh, every comic is somebody's new comic or first comic. Um, sales of Iron Man. That's one of the reasons why we did the first. This was the first time a comic book company, or at least in recent memory that I know of, started a comic when the movie came out. And that's why Iron Man number one hit when Iron Man hit. So people were able to go see the movie and come in and not be scared. Um, Dark Knight, fine movie, and then you walk in and say you want Batman. They're in the middle of R.I.P. A story even stalwart Batman fans are going, well, I guess we'll just see how it ends. Yeah. So, you know, it's. It, I think that it's definitely something that's very important, something that we um, maintain. Every pay, every uh, every issue has the recap page. Uh, every um, event needs to... We need to assume, and that's one of the mandates... When coming up with a miniseries, when doing an, on, uh, an ongoing, you know, a launch or an event, we have to assume that nobody read anything that led up to this. If you read, I, honestly, if you read Captain America 25 by itself, it's a solid read. With no knowledge with of Bucky nothing, or anything like that? With Sharon Carter, no. with anything no. that was done with Dr. Faustus. Yeah. With the Red 41, Star. however, was a little bit more... Uh, <laughs> But you know, like, which is what I loved about. It, so. <laughs> so you know, I mean, there, there are well, it's certain tough. key issues. As far as an issue two, yeah, it's going to be a little bit well, more difficult. But you know, when when we when we launch things, when we always strive for new initiatives, you start a new arc, you try and make sure that it's accessible, it's accessible, because you want new readers and not just new comic book readers. But say, you know, you really freaking love Captain America and, you know, yet yeah, that's, it's, it's seen a nice bump since uh, the Bucky Cap storyline. Uh, it could see another bump. And I think that word of mouth, it keeps kind of growing and growing. And that's one book that every new arc, I think more readers should jump on. You know? Well, I, th- I mean, I think the recap pages help um, because, like, like, I was reading the Longshot hardcover from the 80s. And every issue, it was a six-issue miniseries, and every issue started with basically a recap of everything. Like, it's like, I don't know who I am. And, it's, and I was like, I, it got very repetitive, and it's just see how the storytelling has evolved. So, But that said, I mean, we're always asked how people, like, I want to read Captain America, but can I start reading it now? And it's hard. You know, well, so. the, other, the other thing is, and I always say this, is that, you know, I, used, I picked up a random issue of Avengers when I was a kid. I figured it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Reading it, it makes you, it gives you threads to pull on and figure yeah. out. And sometimes I think it's almost made too easy. I'm glad they yeah. don't do that inner issue recapping of everything anymore. I think that's awful. Oh, yeah. but the narration. But I, I miss the I miss the asterisks. Yeah. You know, like to see this. Amazing Spider-Man does it. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and and a couple of other a couple of other comics do. It's up to editors. Um, yeah. But uh, and then yeah, I mean I started reading right in the middle of the first Brood Saga. Yeah. X-Men. Yeah. So, Inferno. And, 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 okay. And yeah. he has a he has a quick follow up. A funny question. Okay. One word answer. Oh, if Lord. Joe Q, Mark Miller, Brian Bendis, and Jack Loeb had a slumber party, That's what terrible. movie would they watch, and who would win in a fight? Oh, I guess you need more than one word. <laughs> um, only because I've been uh, to, the to, to the slumber party. <laughs> only because I've been at this slumber party. Can I answer this? No, um, I have been at a place where at least two of these people have been there, 
and they watched Old Boy, but if all four were there, um, the Miller would make them watch Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then who would win in a fight? Um, Miller would then cut them with the DVDs of Wanted and bandage them up with the money he made off of Wanted. He is Scottish. They are violent. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. So our next question comes from Dave Carr, who wants to know, what's one aspect of your job that surprises you the most? Is there some important element of marketing comics that the public has no appreciation or understanding of? Um, God, there are two ways to answer this, the positive way and the negative way. Well, I think you know what Honestly. we want. <laughs> yeah, um, the positive way, I the thing that surprises me the most, it ne- it's something that never ceases to surprise me, and that is um, that this is such a shared experience um, that every time you meet somebody that's a comic book fan, you instantly have that in common with them, so that conventions and things like that become things that you'll always remember. Um, uh, my favorite convention is uh, Wizard World Chicago, not necessarily because of the venue, but because of the hotel. Um, because That's a great it's bar. a that big bar circular. Great, yeah. Well, it, it's not just the bar; it's the the hotel itself is circular, and it just it kind of it, it represents that. It's it, it you can interact with each other and everybody. Oh, you meet Rosemont. Yes. Let me that clarification. Yes. Wizard World Rosemont. <laughs> but. Uh, as far as surprises me the most negatively, it's the ignorance factor um, uh, and assumption factor <laughs> that goes into what uh, what really happens within the process of comic making and decisions. Um, and you know, this happens in just about every industry that's serialized. It happens with television shows. It happens with movies. It happens with everything. But uh, I. Um, this is being taped before Secret Invasion yes. ends, but will air after Secret Invasion ends. But uh, we just announced that uh, Secret Invasion had to bump for two weeks because the final script came in a little bit longer, um, and so Neil needed a little bit extra time to draw it. This is only bumped two weeks. Every other book shipped on time. Just had to point that out. Um, but, however, but that said, that said, it suddenly started all these rumors <laughs> that we were changing the ending. Well, because Ben was very loud about saying this was not going to be late and it was going to be yeah. on time. And, yeah. Well, and, you know, it, yeah. that's fine and dandy. But when, you know, you can say that it's not going to be late. And we did. We did everything we could to make sure that it, it and seven out of eight issues were not late. Two weeks, yeah. yeah. However, somehow that turned into, oh my god, they've changed the ending. We plan 18 months out in advance. This story was written. This, uh, it just, <laughs> please understand how a book physically gets made. And then also understand, like that's, that's just A to start. But then also imagine the consequences if somebody were to, if you were to ask Brian, hey Brian, here's the story you've been building to for five years. We want you to change it. A, whoever would tell him that is a douche. <laughs> um, it's not an editorial mandate. We've known what the ending is. B, every story that's spinning out, all those artists and writers would have to completely tear up tracks, and we would not publish books for. 
three months. Dominoes. No, yeah. No. So you know every every action has a continual action. So just it's a fantastic um, uh, industry. I love comics. I love the rabid fan base. I love all of it. But I wish people understood a little bit more about the business and practical side of it because I think it would actually like cut down a lot on the rumor mongering, on the um, and on misinformation that seems to spread. If that makes sense. No, seriously, how are you trying to do it? Um, so <laughs> what happens as you what what the original ending was, it was back to the fabric. Um, was another kick to the tank. Oh. No. All right, so our next question is from Ujo. My parents now can officially not hear this. Wow, vampire. Wow, vampire. Wow, vampire. Again? Yes, he's got a second. Oh, hi, how are you? Which book surprised you the most this year in terms of sales or overwhelmingly positive feedback? Such a positive question. Yeah. So thank you for not asking me which book disappointed me. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to say Incredible Hercules. That's definitely one out of nowhere where everyone's talking Yeah, everybody. About people, yep. and, and none of us are reading it, and probably now a week goes by where you're going to email our voicemail, but you guys got to read this. It's, so. um, it cracks me up because um, people were convinced that this was going to be something that was only going to last for like six issues, and it was going to go back to being Incredible Hulk. This was stunt. You yeah. know, this is nothing more than a stunt, blah, blah, blah. It's a really good book. It's very, very good. And then the other that I'm going to say, so that you guys can talk about it also, <laughs> you're all laughing because you know what I'm going to say, but I also think it's a good book, is Captain Britain and the MI-13. Well, we love that book. Huzzah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We did it, Paul. We did it, Paul. Yeah, no, we, we're a huge supporters of that book. I guess. Yeah. I, I, is she number one pick Is she number one pick Yeah, if you're not reading it, you should be reading it because it's awesome. That, that, that is a surprise. It was a surprise how it was. Well, yes. it's funny, yeah, well, it's funny because, I, I mean, I'm an old Excalibur fan. I'm an old Captain Britain fan. And when it came out, like, they read it before me, and they were just like, is it, one of you yeah. picked it as picking the book. I didn't even, yeah. yeah, and I was just like, I'm like, well, they're liking it. It's got to be good. So, yeah, so that's um, I'm, that's one of my, my happy is it, I mean, is that is one of those kind of like a book that's selling way better than anybody thought it would? Curious if there's anything like that. Like, like, I assume you have projections for like a book. Like, well, this will do okay. Uh, that, that one did, and I will tell you, uh, Incredible Hercules. Okay. Uh, it, it's sustaining really, really good numbers. And, you know, I mean, I think it's freaking Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a B character, though. But then he's like a D-list yeah. character. <laughs> he was on, or no, was it Gilgamesh that was on the crappiest Avengers team? It's Gilgamesh. 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 Yeah, yeah, so yeah. thank God it's not the Incredible Gilgamesh. <laughs> because that would have been the answer to what's the most disappointing title of the year. <laughs> it's Gilgamesh. It's Gilgamesh. Oh. That's for the title, though. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Gilgamesh? The, the average Gilgamesh. <laughs> but uh, no, Hercules, but... But what Fred and Greg have done with the character and with the supporting cast and with everything about it, it's just, it's been really, really awesome. Cool. Um, Pisces Paul. I wonder what sign his is. Born in February. Wants to know. That's Aquarius. Uh, I'm, I'm actually Pisces at the end of February. So. Oh, well, so we're splitting hairs now, aren't we? Snap. Says the Capricorn. <laughs> I, uh, who only knows Aquarius comes after because it's what's right under my horoscope. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. Anyway, uh, Pisces Paul would like to know, again, a positive question. What is your favorite memory of the last year being in the business? Right now. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, now what's your real favorite? He's looking at the cupcake. I, I, it's just a, when I realized this was a short question, <laughs> I had to put the cupcake down because I couldn't. I didn't have enough time to eat a bite of cupcake. Um, my favorite memory of the year. Uh, God, are we talking calendar year? No. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to eight. Or you can go back to a year last year. Well, no, uh, let's see here. Um, What's your favorite memory at all? <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, the launch of Secret Invasion, because if you think about it, I mean, say what you want, we're, we're seven months into an event, so of course a lot of people are like, oh, Secret Invasion. Because you're going to be that way with any event. But if you go back to when that launched, there was so much fervor. People had scroll masks. They had, you know, I mean... New York, we, New York on the yeah, all the place. It was, yeah, it was absolutely huge. We had scroll masks on Good Morning America, like in yeah. the background. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was... We did so much guerrilla marketing for yeah. that. We did the Kinsey MySpace, the MySpace videos. videos we, yeah. You know, that's where we really kind of like... We said, let's have as much fun with this as we possibly can. Plus... We had been building towards that story for so <laughs> long that we could that that finally yeah. talk about it. Yeah. That I have to say that, um, from a company standpoint, from a personal standpoint, um, uh, getting approved for uh, the what if was huge for me. That you're right. So yes, yeah. we're, we're talking about what that possible. Was, was are on down. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Not now. <Sorry. laughs> All right. So um, our next question comes from from uh, Sir Adam of Bones. Sir Adam of Bones. spaces. If Jeff Johns could come to Marvel, what comic would you like to see him on, and what artist would you like to see him team up with? I like the way it's phrased. If he could come to Marvel, so everyone knows he can't because Dan has like has a chain to his desk. I was like, is there something physically keeping him? Well, no. This is Goth Johns. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I made the typo correction. It's Jeff's brother. <laughs> Goff. Well, Goff Johns. I would like to see Goff Johns. I has a problem with story. Yeah. <laughs> he can't do the third act. No. 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 Uh, Jeff, I absolutely love. Um, he's a great guy. I, I, we're going to hear that chorus a lot from me because I have a tendency to either just not talk about people I don't like, or there's really not that many people that I don't like. So, uh, but I genuinely think Jeff is an incredibly talented one. Well, and who are those people that you don't like? So, uh, anyway, Jeff Jones. <laughs> so, um, so what, Jeff, what would Jeff I see? Jeff is one person that I, w- I would love to see um, back at Marvel. It's not that he hasn't been here. What was but, the last thing he wrote was Avengers? Was that yes, the last thing? Yeah. yes, with the um, with the Red Skull. Yeah. The, um, uh, oh crap! What he's was, better now. What was that? Yeah. You know, he, he was good back then. Yeah. I know he was good back then, but he's, he's clearly like he. So so okay so so so, so what, what would I like? Jeff you know, I really really liked. Um, I liked his Teen Titans stuff, um, and so I would love to see him take on. Uh, I'd like to see because Alan is very very busy. I would love to see his take on the Young Avengers. So would I. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and what any artist do you think would do with him? Um, anybody with a pencil? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, or a paintbrush. <laughs> true. And um, okay, so and then uh, a non sequitur question. Um, he knows that this isn't a comic book question, but do any writer, actor, actress, or thing? Is there any writer, actor, actress, or thing that could save Saturn alive? Irrelevant. John Hamm is done. <laughs> Sorry, that was perfect. Is there anything that can save SNL? Yeah. Do you even watch SNL? 
Um, only when Tina Fey is doing Sarah Palin. Because it's Tina Fey, right? Yeah. But, and, but, but that would that would entail oh, no so much awfulness that I'd rather see SNL go off the air. <laughs> oh, wait. That's not hard. Sorry. Air after the election. <laughs> oh, crap. Like, oh, the black helicopters could be coming down now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And if so, and you're a wolf, run. <laughs> Sorry. Our next question is from, from, from O. Caroline, and O. Caroline says, I'm a major X-Men fan, which I know you are too. A common critique of the X-Books is that they seem to happen in a bubble, so the characters don't interact as much with other major Marvel Universe characters or events like Civil War. Would you agree with that statement, and do you think it's a problem? Here's where I'm going to admit to cheating on this podcast. <laughs> um, I saw this one question, and then, then I went away, because I was like, you know... I want some of these answers to be just, spontaneous. Just to clarify, we're okay with you're not cheating. Like, you're no, self-defined cheating. I totally felt like yeah. when the, when these questions went up yeah. that it was – I completely felt like I had snuck into the teacher's class <laughs> room before the exam and gotten a copy of the test. I just felt so guilty. I yeah. thought I was in it's high okay. school again. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a number two pencil with me either. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes, I am a major X-Men fan. And – uh, this question got me thinking. Um, and the X-Men have actually always kind of existed in their own universe bubble timeline. Um, it, Mutant Massacre, yeah, it had one issue crossover of Power Pack and four. Um, but it didn't spill over into anything else. The Return of Jean Grey started in The Avengers and in The Fantastic Four and then went into X-Factor, but it really only touched on those two. Inferno, complete red sky. Just absolutely, oh, look, there's a demon. We're an Inferno tie-in. But aside from that, Morrison's X-Men run. He freaking destroyed Manhattan. Not reflected anywhere else. It tell, they, they always kind of told their own stories in their own timeline, but it's not like that's the only book that has. The FF, Galactus came down and almost ate the Earth. Let me let me turn it around for you though, Uh-oh. because the difference is is that you, Marvel with Civil War with Secret uh-huh. Invasion other stuff. Oh, you're they, thinking that they side. they reached in and said, "Here are the X Men," and then right. all we got in Civil War was going, "We're not getting involved." And no. then they stepped away. Never in Operation Galactic Storm wasn't like X Men. We gotta go help the Skrull, the Kree. They didn't. They didn't like back in the nineties and the eighties when Avengers and Fantastic Four had events. They didn't even touch the X Men like you said. But now they made a point of. Factoring them in just enough, there have been tie-ins, there have been, you know, like... That, that comes, I believe, more out of questions like this, because mm-hmm. the fans, if we didn't do that, then they would be saying, why are you ignoring them completely? Right. Um, we are in an interconnected universe. It at least gives a reason why, you know, I mean, they were dealing with the ramifications of House of Down yeah. uh, and Decimation with Civil War. Listen, with, we have shit going on. We yeah. can't get involved with the first stuff. So, I mean, you know, people, people and he drew a really hot Emma. Nick <laughs> 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 drew a yeah. great Emma for us. I mean, people, but, like, Cyclops was at the meeting. Like, yeah, the meeting at the Baxter building, he was just standing there, you know, like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, Xavier was the... Xavier's in the Illuminati, yeah. and yeah, there sure, is... I mean, there are things... It, it's been really, really, really busy. 
Secret Wars. Yeah. Before to that was you know with that they were fully integrated. There was also the very first crossover. Yeah. And by the way, there and that might be the best X Men role in any crossover because it was completely uh, Xavier fear mongering, <laughs> going, "We can't trust them. They're not like us." And like yeah, it was yeah. just like it was the most and the character. falling in love with Magneto. <laughs> it was just great. It was completely or at least acting like she did <laughs> completely out of nowhere. It was. I would also like to point out complete non sequitur um, that. Um, uh, I believe Doom called Volcana a cow. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then recently, Doom called Ms. Marvel a cow. cow. Yeah. And the internet went apeshit. Oh, did they really? I didn't even yes. See that. Uh, and I'm like, you know. That's in character for Doom to do that. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, an, it's an established I'm, I'm word for him to use. I'm tear that evil, evil character be rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow it became. Bendis calling yeah. a woman a cow. Yeah. The line between reality and our characters is Twitter. Uh, Edward Next. Uh, has a question. Uh, Google has an unofficial company called Mantra of Don't Be Evil. Does Marvel have a similar slogan or phrase? I wish I had John Dokes' voice right now so I could say, Marvel, your universe. And that's not just like a little marketing hook or whatever. It really is your universe. It takes place in our it takes place an hour of continuity. No. <laughs> <laughs> now the line is really close. Oh, God. Um, no, um, it, it takes place in the real world. It's grounded within our Earth. It's not Earth 2 or anything like that. So, and, um, oh, and, and it goes kind of bad. Don't let Tom Rebort hear you say that. I'm pro 616. And um, just like we said earlier, it pulls back the curtain. And, you know, it, it, it lets people into the house of ideas. So Marvel, your universe, exists on many levels. All right. Our next question comes from Ultimate Horatio, uh, who says, Marvel's doing a lot of adaptations of novels, like the Ender's Game and the Stephen King stuff. Are there any plans for big-name novelists to do OGNs in the future, not based on Marvel properties? And do you think that this will be key in getting people who primarily read prose to try comics? I want to know if regular universe ratio doesn't read novels. <laughs> um, but uh, ultimate ratio, uh, yes, we have been doing a number of adaptations of novels. Uh, we've been very particular about which uh, novels we do. And also, um, in some cases, they've come to us. Uh, or Scott Card brought an understanding to us. So he said, hey, I want you guys to do this. Uh, you know, I saw you did on Dark Tower. This is great. Fantastic. Um, we will... One thing I, I just want to clarify, we won't be doing any just strict OGNs. Um, original graphic novels just straight out without doing a monthly um, is just not how we operate. Um, it's a policy decision. Yeah, it, 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 there are a number of financial factors that would make people stop listening to the podcast or could cost me my job. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's state secrets and I would have to kill you all. And I don't know how to get home from you. So I can't tell you for that reason. Uh, I don't want to be able to go home. This isn't like deepest Westchester. You can see Manhattan out the other window. So I don't know how to get home. You ever been to Inwood? Where the hell is that? <laughs> that is still on the island. <laughs> I, am, I am off the island. I saw Mohican Indians crossing around over there. I didn't know where I was, and then someone's No matter what Ryan says. 
So, yeah, uh, we won't be doing any uh, OGNs. However, um, let's see here. Any big name novelists? Anybody other than King or Scott Card? Oh, well, we do. You can uh, announce. Feel free to announce anything. Uh, on this podcast. You know, I mean, I, to answer it in that way almost says like, oh, the next people that I list are no named people. Uh, however, we um, we've been doing the Laurel K. Hamilton Anita Blake series, which is a best selling New York Times best selling. Uh, Series and have been very successful. The bottom of the New York Times bestseller list sells a lot of books yeah. compared yeah. to a lot of comic books. So, totally. so I mean, I mean, this is a, we're talking top ten though. Like mm-hmm. Sean Kenyon, Lords of Avalon. While a lot of people are walking past that on the comic book racks, it's one of the like ten paperback series that Walmart carries. Wow. Uh, not not the comics, but the actual novels. Mm-hmm. So I mean, these are big time novelists. That comic book, create, comic book fans may not be aware of. So, you know, I would suggest taking a look at some of these properties. I think in the in a similar vein, though, uh, something that's being overlooked uh, that are big named people that are is the Soleil books. Yeah. Um, those are some really incredible things, and they're coming from uh, French creators. And so, you know, nobody, Skydall. very few people, Skydoll, yeah. Samurai. Yeah. Uh, Universal War One, yeah. um, fantastic. Completely nothing like what you expect Marvel to put out, and uh, it's kind of like um, an extension, or it's kind of like our almost a Vertigo esque type feel, in which you know it's it's nothing that you're going to see within the Marvel universe or the Ultimate Universe, Ultimate Ratio. So, right. The Freaky Tiki asks. What steps are Marvel taking to sell their products to new consumers rather than the ones you already have? How is Marvel expanding its consumer base in regards to printed comic book sales and not licensing? I think it goes back to what we just talked about, uh, which are novelists, um, gateway comics. Um, we've talked about one of the first comics uh, that I read was Uncanny X-Men in the Little Boot Saga, but that same day I was given G.I. Joe number one. Yep. Um, yes. Complete gateway comic. Uh, so, you know, that's one reason why we uh, do the Halo comic occasionally. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes. Um, <laughs> when we're allowed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, w- that's one reason why The Stand, uh, Dark Tower, a lot of that, not just the chance to get to work with Stephen King and do a visual adaptation or representation of these great works, but also because it brings new people in. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that. We're also doing a lot of more, a lot of mainstream marketing and push uh, the Colbert team up with Spidey. Right. It was a lot of fun. Brought some new people in. Uh, even if it brings, and I've heard a lot of people like, oh, what stunk, you know, yeah, that may bring 100 people in to buy that one issue, but what else are they going to buy? You know, that's n- not completely up to us. We need to get the people in the door, and then the local comic book shop owner needs to um, know how to help keep them. And they do a really, I think a lot of them do a good job of that uh, in some regard. And you know what? Even if 100 people walk in and they buy um, Amazing Spider Man 573, which had that Colbert story, and two people come back. That's two new people. That we wouldn't have gotten if we had done that. If we hadn't done that story. Do you feel like you're playing a short game with these? Like, like you're literally like just getting people one at a time, almost like how candidates are just you know they're going one vote at a time almost. Because I mean, I feel like we're past the point where you'll sell a comic book and all of a sudden 
hundred thousand people want to go Starbucks. It's not, it's not, it's not 1989 now. Right. The Batman movie didn't just come out, and, and you know that we're past that. So. See, I, I think that um, something like Stephen King, mm-hmm. something like the King books, those are selling really high numbers, and from the feedback we've gotten, they're from your non-traditional Wednesday crowd. So, a good deal of those sales are not going to your Wednesday guys. Do those sales so, come from? Do they tend to come not from comic book shops, but like bookstores? No, no. I mean the individual issues. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the individual issues are coming. Let alone the collected editions. I mean, I'm talking like just keeping as far as individual issues. A lot of those are are coming in and finding those, and then also trying to remain. Current and doing storylines that capture national attention without the sake of pandering um, to a certain election or anything like that, right. without naming names of titles that are happening that make me shudder. Uh, <laughs> Reading between the lines. Clock. Uh, Did you just make a sound effect? <laughs> He's from Israel. I don't know how this is pronounced. Uh, are Martin paying for your Walmart storage space? No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right. And it does remind me that I need to get more long boxes. Okay, I'm gonna ask the next question. That was that was lame. Okay. <laughs> uh, Godzilla. Any, are there any plans to do TV ads in the future? I think this is the best way to actually reach kids. We're gonna. We did the one ad. Did the one. We did. Ad. Yep. We actually did. We actually did two. Also <laughs> that night there was a Dark Tower ad. Um. To be honest, um, it's we, expensive, it's, right? yeah, it's insanely expensive. Um, people have this like bizarro memory of what advertising was when we advertised comics. You know, GI Joe toys were advertised mm-hmm. on television, and we had a comic book. So you just sort of and, rode that wave. Yeah, Secret Wars toys were advertised. Those were awesome. Yeah, they awesome. were. They had shields that were yeah. reticular. Oh, yeah, you had a reticular yeah. shield. That kissed me off on the Captain America. That was like, yeah. not the right shield. Uh, <laughs> I that, loved that the is... Wolverine claws clipped on, and yeah. you could clip it on anybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, they, they have this skewed perception, and also, ads are expensive. It would, it, it, We do what we can. We ran yeah. Secret Invasion ads. Um, we run ads on websites um, that are appropriate to, you know, kids. We take out ads in uh, magazines or um, like put subscription cards no. in uh, for the Marvel Adventures. And Marvel Adventures, I mean, Marvel Adventures Spider-Man is something I know we say a lot, but Marvel Adventures Spider-Man is the number one subscribed title. It's the number one subscription title. It may not sell much at all on uh, the direct market, mm-hmm. but it is a huge title, and so in that that was achieved by putting uh, subscription cards in like Disney Kids magazines, mm-hmm. things like that. So there are a number of ways. Trust me, we're looking into every. Oh, wait, I'm about to say something that can get me uh, arrested. <laughs> we're looking into every way possible on how to touch kids. <laughs> not what I meant. Um, we are looking into every way possible to reach new readers. Here's just perfect. Do you have any indication of TV ads did anything, or if you is or not? Honestly, I want to know how much it freaked out. 
like people. The, people when yeah. they saw that because it was, was on screen. ESPN too. Which yeah, was it was in the middle of a major league baseball game, yeah. 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 and it was just like that would be why I didn't see it. <laughs> so you know, I mean, we're 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 testing. Yeah. Also, there was no DVR back then. This yeah. is true. true. Yeah. Yeah. Kids. Although kids if I was just looking through my commercials and I saw like the Neil you art, I'd go back. Yeah, but there was, was, there, there, was any art, there was no art. No, it was scroll. It was those ads in the comics. Though. Those oh, freaky oh, right, ads. Right. I hate those ads. No offense. I mean, the the picture, the, the double page with the, the kids freaks me the fuck out. Oh I'm my like, god, eating ice cream. That's my favorite. So creepy. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, so Gunga Din writes, uh, "What's up in the future? What's got you excited? Is it an event, a title, a character, all of the above? Which ones? Can you tell I'm excited?" Yes, I can tell you. By the way, that read really captured his excitement. Thank you. All right. I'm sure. And you know what? This was the other question that I read in advance. And I was like, oh, this would be a perfect place to, like, talk about something I'm super excited about. But because you didn't sound that excited when you read this, now I'm not as excited (laughs) to talk about it. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Let's reread the question. What's up in the future? What's got you excited? Is it an event, a title, a character, all the above? Which ones? Now it just looks like you both have to pee. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. excited, Jim? What are you what are you excited to talk, talk to us about? Um, I am well. I am very much excited about uh, a number of things. I'm excited about year two of Spider-Man having come out of the Spider-Man Summit. Uh, the second year is a, a, after the election and the brand, serial killer storyline. Brand new day. Brand new starts. tomorrow now, or what's the what's the well, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying. It's a bit of a long day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, year two is really, really cool. It, um, it's it got some great villains that I think a lot of people are going to be very excited about, some amazing storylines. I think Mark Wade and Joe Kelly brought um, energy into the group well, that was already there. The most important question really awesome. is Marcus Martin involved at all. Yes. <laughs> um, I just saw a cover that he did today uh-huh. that was awesome. Yeah, he's uh, excited. He's fantastic. Yeah, Martin. Oh, it's Martin. Oh, okay. There you go. See, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's one. Hey, Martin. <laughs> um, that is probably gonna come across weird. I just went. Ah. <laughs> um, Ultimatum and the relaunch or the the aftermath of the Ultimate Universe, um, it kind of gets back to the roots. I remember reading like, the first couple of issues of Ultimate Spider-Man and going, this is so cool, because it was so, like, what we were all going through today. It was so modern and felt so grounded and rooted in reality. Um, and at the time, the mainline Marvel U was crazy, messed up. Morrison was, like, having mutant growth hormone drug-addled people... And angel, I don't remember what was going on. Baby Spider-Man. wings and oh, that was JMS and, during that time period. Boom. And JMS was doing his thing. Yeah. And um, oh, it was like Howard Mackey. No, yeah, no, I think it yeah, was. Well, it was right yeah. before JMS, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, See, I'm here. I'm <laughs> bringing. Um, and so there was a lot of like crazy stuff going on. So read that. What comes after um, Ultimatum is very much it returns it to its roots and also. Um, Instead of doing like, oh, here's the um, ultimate version of this 90s story that I really loved, uh, the writers have really gone back to what the ultimate universe is, which is anything canon will happen, as opposed to here's an ultimate version of this beloved or obscure storyline. Yeah. Um, but 
Dark Rain is really, really, really cool and exciting. Um, so no, what, I love it. What is Dark Rain? So Secret Invasion's out. Secret Invasion is out. This is your like slide away <laughs> because as has been. You just saw right through me. So why should oh we be God, excited? I'm for getting it? like totally nervous about talking about this, even though I know that it's not gonna. Yeah. Uh, as you I not saw. <laughs> don't don't tweet it. <laughs> um, I shut my mouth because I said it would tweet. Um, so as you see in the closing pages of. Uh, Secret Invasion 8. Uh, Norman Osborn gets the kill shot on the Skrull Queen, and the media captures it. And as we've seen in uh, the real world, which Marvel U kind of echoes, uh, the media can make a hero out of just about anybody. Um, and so, what happens when something like that happens? You know, uh, mission accomplished. Uh, um, oh, ouch. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, at the very end of Secret Invasion, you see uh, you see Norman walk in, and there's a gathering there of the Illuminati, uh, the Cabal yeah. of Doom, Loki, uh, <laughs> Doom, Loki, uh, Namor, Emma, uh, the Hood. And of course, Osborn. And this is the evil Illuminati. Namor's playing both sides. Namor's playing both sides? Yes. Best wearing. And Emma's playing both sides? What is Emma's role here? And that is what we will examine over the next year. Uh, Dark Reign is. I knew you couldn't trust that bitch. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've been saying it since Morrison brought her in. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, this is going to air very shortly yeah. after. Uh, so okay. I, I don't want to say too much. It's coming out the day after Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. I don't. I don't want to say too much past Secret Invasion Eight. But yes, this. Uh, you know, Norman walks in and says, "All right, this is how it's going to go down." And with a gathering like that, the power that they could have, the, uh, the things that they could do. Well, it's barely. Um, <laughs> Norman Osborn being handed the keys to the kingdom of the Marvel Universe. Uh, and Doom and Loki. That's not. That's hardcore. Yes. Loki got the big horns. Loki, oh, yeah. Hot Loki. Oh, is it the check Loki? Yeah. Hot oh, Loki. The ladyification. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I don't think there's a question in there. There's a theory going around that the ladyification of Marvel is in full effect. Lady Bullseye. Lady Loki, we got, um, who else? It's Maybe our initiative to try and attract female readers. That's okay. By making all of the villains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. We just think somebody's going through We're also course. going to put them, we're also going <laughs> to put them in refrigerators, just so that uh, that blog has uh, more. Oh, snap. I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> so you're excited for Dark Rain. I love Dark Rain. Uh, it is, it's, I know people... There's going to be a group of people that are groan and be like, oh my god, Marvel Universe is such a dark place. But you know what? That's when the heroes get a chance to shine. Is when there are when they're faced against the darkest things that yeah. they can. Um, but also there are a number of other reasons. It's shaking up the status quo in so many titles. Um, and then also, um, as you see in closing pages of um, 
oh no, wait, you know, never mind. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna hold off because I actually did. I cheated way more than I admitted to. And I know there's a question coming up. It's so much better for me to talk okay. about. Plus, Purple Rain was a great album. So yeah, it was. Dark Rain. <laughs> that was a stretch. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know. I'm simply. Dilly Balam. It was good. I didn't know where he was going, but he stole it at the end. I was like, wow, Prince has nothing to do. He's not in the room. And Namor's like a king. <laughs> It'd be better if Prince was. Oh, come on. If it's Doom, Loki, Namor, Emma, and Prince. <laughs> little five foot two Prince and in his purple Prince. suit, and he's a villain. Maybe Prince is <laughs> under the hood. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who is Dormammu? <laughs> Alright, Ned says, what do you think of yeah. DC's model of using Final Crisis with separate times and the main books not being affected? Can we see a separate, similar setup in the future events for Marvel, or does that counteract the company's overall storytelling vision? Um, I think that there, I think both models um, have their own purpose. I think that, um, I, I think that you find some DC fans getting frustrated uh, that the events that are happening in Final Crisis aren't reflected in the monthlies that they pick up. Yes. So it can backfire. Um, I think that, and also, like, if you look at House of M, we did that with House of M. House of M was its own mini, and then each of the other mini, everything else was kind of, I mean, there were some that were mainline, but, I mean, it was kind of like Tales from the House of M. It didn't really affect the main storyline. Uh, then starting with Civil War, we took a look, and we do kind of a blend. You know, we have Secret Invasion X-Men, and then we have what's happening in New and Mighty Avengers, which is like Secret Invasion, the extended cut. So, you know, I mean, there, there's, there are different ways of telling the story, and it really, it, it's up to the, at the end of the day, it's up to the creator. Does the creator want to say, oh yeah, I totally want to jump in, I've got the perfect place, and this makes sense within my story to play in with Secret Invasion, or to tie in with Dark Rain, or does it make sense to do a dedicated mini um, like Brand New Day? Brand New Day was plotted out well in advance, and also, you know, it, ha- it comes out three times a month, uh, or Amazing Spider-Man, uh, comes out three times a month, difficult to... Just chunk something in, and then God forbid something happens, it bumps. Then something comes off the rails. So you know you put that in Malar and FF, uh, Malar and Hitch's FF would not have made sense to drop in. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah, so that. you're not gonna please everybody. Some people are gonna want to all be connected. Some oh, yeah. people are gonna want it separate. Uh, how? Ryan. Ryan. Which is easy to say. I uh, can't remember if this was covered in the last podcast, and neither can I, so I'm asking you. Uh, so here goes. How did you get to your current position at Marvel? Not necessarily looking for tips, more anecdotal. So I don't have to leave 15%. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wait, you really want an anecdote? <laughs> As opposed to how do you get a job at Marvel? Like, I seriously feel like I mean you're asking to do it. You're, you're asking for a fireside chat. <laughs> well, kids, here's how Uncle Jim got into Marvel. So picture this. <laughs> he knew what he wanted. Yeah. Or I, I wish I had Jim Dale's voice so I could say uh, the details of these. Like, I'm yeah. yep. And if you don't, you suck. Um, okay. Uh, 
So I got to Marvel. Um, I grew up collecting comics. Always wanted to. Um, I always said that I would work at Marvel one day. Uh, my dad said, that's nice, but what are you going to major in? <laughs> um, so and, it really uh, goes back that far? Like that was your goal all time to work at Marvel? All time. That's badass. Uh, it's, it has been. It has definitely been a, a goal of mine. I remember I was a um, sophomore in college. It was, it was 1994. Uh, and I was a host at... The, uh, the, I was outside host slash security. For those of you who have never seen me, you understand that my father is laughing. That I am security. Thanks. You probably have a security shirt. Because you probably have been security somewhere, haven't you? I was security at a party in Hollywood once. He's a boss. You just give him a cookie. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. At the Hard Rock Cafe in Nashville. And uh, this guy came up. Everyone in Nashville was tiny. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> the lollipop guild is <laughs> in Nashville. Uh, and I was the mayor of Munchkin Lines. Now, um, God, this anecdote is awful. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say you worked at the Marvel restaurant. I so wish I did. <laughs> Captain Earl oh, there, didn't we? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make any sense. I am a themed <laughs> restaurant whore. I have worked at most themed restaurants, but that one closed before I could get yeah. to it. Um, but no, I didn't I, know there were themed restaurants for us. That's awesome. Oh my god, yeah. I worked did you at, go to Ray Fox Cafe? Yes, oh, I no, did. Not, I know, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm making fun of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rainforest Cafe, Johnny Rockets. I have been to Rainforest Cafe. Yeah, I have been to Johnny Rockets. Let's see. Um, Hard Rock, Planet Hollywood, and I think. What, Jekyll and Hyde? No. Well, I Mars 2012. Okay, I just I moved <laughs> up here. We haven't gotten to the part where I moved up okay, here. I didn't sorry. have to wait. This is a long time. <laughs> We're in 1994. Give me time. <laughs> Jesus. Does the Hard Rock Cafe have anything to do with Marvel? <laughs> yes. Yes. Let me get to it. No. Okay. So I'm working outside of the Hard Rock Cafe in 1994, and this guy comes walking up, and it's a businessman in a suit, and he has. I don't know if I want to hear this. <laughs> Sorry. He has an X-Men pen on his lapel, and I was like, Oh my God! You know, like a business guy with an X-Men pen, and just in passing, made a comment and said. That's so cool. I love the X-Men. And the woman that was on his arm was like, oh, honey, tell him what you do. And it turns out it was Terry Stewart, who was wow. the then president of Marvel. Um, and so he told me who he was, and I kind of wet myself. And um, I said, well, I'm in college. I would love to know what to do to get in at Marvel. I, I want to write. Um, I had just written a play and had won Best Writer for that. Incredible. And thank you all. And, um, and so I was like, you know, 14 years ago. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, and so I was like, um, ready to take on the world. Yeah. And I was like, give me Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the spin on my train. I've got an award for best plays at <laughs> University in Cincinnati, Ohio. Keys to the Kingdom, Mr. Stewart. I'm thinking uh, Avengers. <laughs> you know, what do you, what, what do you think? So, um, and, you know, I, I said, I, this is what I really want to do. And he said, finish college um, and then either get some experience under your belt and come up to New York when you're ready and knock on the door uh, at editorial um, at Marvel and pitch, do what you, do what you need to do. Um, and he said, if you are really serious about this, I want to see a pitch on my desk by the time I get back to New York. And he gave me his business card. And he said he'd be back in three days. And so I... Put together a North Star pitch, 
Nice. Um, and uh, it was it was a North Star and Aurora pitch, and it was completely contrived. I mean, like it it was an awful awful pitch. Now knowing, like, uh, and thank God he didn't give me Spider Man. Um, <laughs> well, he was too busy running the company to the ground. Hey, this man gave me advice. I'm not going to speak ill of him. I know. Um, and There's he gave me problems. the X-Men pen. He gave me the pen. He gave me the lapel pen, by the way, which was really cool. Um, I got notes back from it, actually. Wow. Cool. And, so you uh, heard back. That's fine. And so, yeah, I heard, I heard back. And then uh, I went about finishing college. Um, I worked in film for a little while, film and television, uh, in between waiting tables at various places where you have to dress up in ridiculous uniforms. Um, and then I turned 30 and I set my tray down and I said, I am too tired to wait on another table. Um, and I made the jump to New York. Um, I happen to have a place up here, circumstances being very uh, beneficial to me. I was able to live up here and sell my house and live off the proceeds of the sale of the house while I looked for a job, and Monster.com. Uh, one day, a position opened up at Marvel, and the angel I submitted I submitted my resume. Uh, I knew somebody there, but just, like, literally just enough to be able to email him and say, hey, I saw this position. I just want to let you know I, I sent my resume in. Um, it was right before San Diego in 2004, and the girl had given her... Um, he, she had given a one-week notice. They posted the position on like a Friday. I submitted the um, resume on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, I heard late Monday or early Tuesday, hey, can you come in for an interview on Wednesday? So I said, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not working. Um, and I really needed a job, too. It was getting really close to that uncomfortable place. And um, it was... We know. <laughs> it, was for, um, it was for talent management. Or, or, I'm sorry, traffic manager, which was tracking down deadlines and having to deal with uh, different um, personalities and editors and did you have all the stuff. Did you relevant experience? I did, and that was... Um, I mean, not like they hired just some Yahoo. Yeah. Just, no, know, I, I, I actually... Sometimes you go, oh, I totally did a job just like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, working, working in film, working in production offices, things like that. So I, I really had I to. Know. So yes, <laughs> I, I was lucky enough that it, it opened up the right position, opened up at the right time. I interviewed. Um, they found out that I didn't have a job and I could start the next day. And so the girl who had given her notice could give me two days of training before she left. Nice. And so yeah, I plopped right in and. About a year later, it sunk in that I was working at Marvel. But wow. The really crazy thing was it was 10 years, uh, almost to the day, when I got hired that I had met Terry Stewart. Wow. That's wow. Cool. So, there's an anecdote. There's That's the totally anecdote. an anecdote. That's great. No, but really, which is your favorite theme restaurant? <laughs> I, I like medieval times. <laughs> Seriously? It's, it's like, not that It's that so awesome. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. All right. You just threw me away the hell off. You with your hands! Here's the second question. Oh, there it is. How how does how do we go back to this? How does Marvel decide who and when to offer exclusives? What are you looking for when deciding to make the the offer to a creator to go exclusive? That would be (laughs) Tony. Well done. (laughs) Answer that for more of you, Jess. 
No. Um, yeah, there, there are so many factors that go into it. Um, it it's a case-by-case case basis. Uh, some are... Really you know, I mean, some, there's people that are already at the top of their game, and we their contract comes up, and they want to come play with us, mm-hmm. and we want them to play with us. Others, we see up and coming, um, and we say... We, we see some big stuff, and we want to show up people. There's a whole department that does this that I have nothing to do with, so don't feel comfortable necessarily. Fair enough. Is there like a percentage of the, of the line that's being done by exclusive as opposed to freelance? I'm just curious. For like, no, exclusive contracts though um, do have things worked in as far as like you know guarantees, mm-hmm. um, but it's not like. It's not like the converse is true, where twenty percent of our line has to be done by exclusives. If that makes sense. No, well, I just wonder if there's if there's actual number like like twenty percent of our books should be done by people who are exclusive to us, and the rest of it is just armed up to whoever. No, no, it's it's whoever is honestly it is whoever is best suited for the project, mm-hmm. if be they exclusive or not. So it doesn't play into the role. Yeah, play. if it's if it's the best artist for the book, yeah. they're drawing it, and if it's the best if the writer brings the right pitch. They got it. They got the gig. Story, honest to God, other than Marvel Universe, going back to four pages ago, uh, Story First really is another one. So it was really on yeah. one page. Uh, we can step up the speed here so for an hour into it. Shit. That's probably our fault. <laughs> all right, so, all right, so th- these are a couple of quick questions. Chris Go writes, um, does Marvel have any future projects in the works in collaboration with DC Comics? Really? Easy answer. People don't know the answers, man. What Sorry, is I'm just kidding. I do. It's no. <laughs> the answer, that would be a no. Okay. Second question. Why has Marvel faulted in its recent attempts at publishing a running weekly comic like DC's 52 or Countdown? I would like to know where we have faulted <laughs> in, in, when we haven't done one. However, we have done Amazing Spider-Man, and weekly kind of. which is thrice monthly. It comes out three times uh, a month. Plus, if you happen to pay attention closely to shipping schedules, that fourth week there's a mini series that's always coming out. So there Ooh, is I didn't notice that. Spider-Man product on the shelves every week. Still making up for last year. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when there were months of no Spider-Man product. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. It's been great. I love it, though. It's really good. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. Bygones doesn't absolve you just by dropping in the bygones. Remember when we're moving faster on these questions? <laughs> Sorry. It's like when you say you're an asshole and then put in the motocon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just semicolon close paragraphed me. I totally did. <laughs> Winky. Oh, <laughs> Alright, this is the last of a question, more of a statement from Nick Maynard. I would like to offer my Jim my deepest heartfelt condolences of the loss with Jim Below and Mockingbird. How are you holding up? Nick Maynard, here's where I'm going to talk about what I'm excited about. Because as you have seen in the closing pages of Secret Invasion 8, Mockingbird is not dead. She is alive. She got off the scroll ship. <laughs> Josh is a huge um, uh, Hawkeye fan. Please come here, Josh, to my computer. Oh, oh. Is, what is the visual answer? <laughs> because Jim McCann's tethered. Josh, since I don't know how to run a Mac, how do I open multiple pages? Uh, just hit. Or I'll just open it. Oh, why didn't it open? So, uh, <laughs> no, so as you saw at the end of Secret Invasion 8, Nick, Mockingbird is not dead. She is, in fact, alive. She came off that ship 
She has been gone for how long? Uh, what's happened to her? What's going on with Clint and her? You're going to have to read uh, New Avengers, where she will be a cast member. But also, that's the project that I've been twittering about for months. I am writing a miniseries called New Avengers The Reunion, Ooh. which deals with what exactly is the status of Mockingbird back in the Marvel Universe and her relationship with Clint. And uh, so it's the Clint Barton. It's, uh, it's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith meets Kill Bill. Ooh. In the Marvel Universe. I like that. Josh is excited. When is it? When when is it drop? I'm jealous, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> when is um, the there is an eight page prologue. It's uh, part of the Dark Rain New Nation yeah. uh, book that comes out on the seventeenth of December. Has five eight page stories in it. Um, I feel bad because I know I'm going to forget somebody, but there's a War Machine story, Agents of Atlas, Secret Warriors. Um, New Avengers: The Reunion. So it's a little preview of all the stuff that's going on. And it's they're eight-page prologues, yeah. and it's not like these eight pages are going to be reprinted in the first issues. These kick off and um, the 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 ongoings or the minis that spin out yeah. of Secret Invasion. Um, and so there's eight-page prologues, so you get uh, a taste, and you'll also be, uh, manage to answer within like three lines of dialogue. Uh, what the hell happened? I thought she died in West Coast Avengers 100, in and I thought they saw her in hell. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. That's a economy of writing. I don't mess yeah. around. <laughs> no. And then uh, the four-issue mini starts in March. Awesome. So this hasn't so, been solicited yet? Uh, it will not have been solicited, but uh, people will know about it. You know, I mean, well, this may be the announcement. I don't know, depending on how quickly this goes up right after Secret Invasion 8. But uh, this is, is, uh, it's funny because my Twitter page has been that Secret Invasion number two variant of Hawkeye and Mockingbird since I started Twittering, which was when this project got approved. So it's been, and I've been Twittering like, Secret project I'm working on, and it's been right there, and I'm like, oh, nobody notices. <laughs> but if I it. change it, then they might notice. So, but no, it's been so hard not to talk about it. But yeah, that that going back to the what's been the most memorable or exciting thing was being given the green, uh, you know, being having this being greenlit. Uh, Bendis saying, "Dude, this is awesome. Take these characters, deal with the fallout in this." You know, he's, they're going to be in New Avengers, but you're going to see a lot of stuff, like in their emotional stuff, their baggage, and fighting, a lot of punching, fighting. Um, one of my favorite things about them as a couple, and going back to both of their roots uh, in a number of ways, um, especially with Mockingbird, you know, she was like an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., she was, um, she was an Avenger, so she's a marksman, so there's there's lots of cool, awesome stuff to do, and the two of them have a lot of things to work out. They met fighting, they're going to fight. There's a whole baby thing. There's there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of fun stuff well, to deal congratulations with. Congratulations on that. Thank not you Not only much. are you making the jump from marketing to writing, but you're getting to write one of your favorite characters. I am, and it's funny. Uh, people know me as the Dazzler guy. <laughs> Um, no, to, that to say that. It's very rarefied air. Yeah. And it's—I—I'm I, not betraying any of those, any of the Dazzler fans. Um, I, I, by saying it's not that 
my Dazzler fanaticism was a front, because it's not. I do mm. love the Daz. Ron, you're the Bedazzler guy. <laughs> I'm the Bedazzler guy. I absolutely love Dazzler. I would love to write a Dazzler story. I absolutely do love her. But Clint Barton and Bobby Morse, Hawkeye and Mockingbird, favorite couple of all time, and top two favorite characters of all time. Josh, Ooh. ask the question I know you want to ask. Can I write it? No. <laughs> no, he's already writing it. Oh. What's the, the next question about Clint? When, when costume? I know that, but I'm trying to phrase this so that it makes sense. So is he gonna? Is he gonna put on we'll, purple we'll, we'll clothes and use a bow and arrow? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Well, hold on. So when when does he kick that imposter lady out of the way and take back his true identity? Ooh, you see, he's got a man on for for Lady Hawkeye. Yeah, whatever she is, she ain't Hawkeye. Yeah. You don't like Kate Bishop? I, I don't. I can care less. <laughs> but she's not I can't Hawkeye. Give her a different name. He's a purist. I'm fine with that. But I tell you, I, like, I'm not so much that she's not Hawkeye. Is that Hawkeye is not Ronan? Okay, sorry. That that pause was me. Like, yeah. the if A equals B and B equals C, <laughs> A equals C. Um, uh, there's a lot that is dealt with in this, and that's all I'm gonna say. That's great. <laughs> that is fantastic. You just that, made his that, let me, let me, like, I I would think it would be really intimidating to start off with something that's so close to you as opposed to just like here's Ghost Rider. Which, yeah, you know You are absolutely one hundred percent correct. Um And you're not one to agonize on my over way like this. here. I <laughs> agonize over it so much. Um the initial pitch for this was pure West Coast Avengers continuity porn. <laughs> um, and uh, Tom Brevoort very, very um, wisely and as gently as Tom Brevoort can be said, no. <laughs> um, let's try again. Because mm-hmm. um, they knew what my baseline pitch was. And I turned in something that was like, whoa. And even going back and looking. So, uh, Janine Schaefer is uh, my editor on this project, and I absolutely love having Janine on this uh, for many reasons, uh, because I want to bring Mockingbird back uh, into the Marvel Universe. I believe she's got an incredibly strong role. She's a very, very independent woman, and Janine kind of really sees that as well. But she's a completely fresh set of eyes to the Marvel Universe, and I am so tied to these characters, that she helps balance it out and tells me when, like, she's like, okay, uh, I got to this part, and you totally lost me at Alchema. So, wow. and, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, for the most part, she's almost like a new character. And that's, sort of yep. Shows up with this backstory, sort of like the Sentry, but real. And, <laughs> you know, we have not seen her for ten years. Yeah. And yet almost she like does have, too. She's, she's got this history but she's also got a lot of potential and a lot of ground to cover. She also has her own history that she's been living while we have been going on in our world. So there's a number of different layers that I have to really juggle with this. And I have to tread very carefully because it kind of goes back to the new readership. There's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to be like, who's the chick with the weird sleeves? Um, And the sticks. Yeah. And so, you know, i got to make her cool. But I also want to stay true to the character. I mean, she already is cool. But I got, I'm, so I've got to make her. I've got to make new readers realize how cool she is, um, without falling into writing fanfic, basically. Because right. that's what or I'm really worried about. 
keep going. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't want uh, you know, um, I, I don't want it to to be this you know like oh, I got my dream job. I think you know like mm-hmm. I, I did. I got really freaking lucky in getting my dream characters to write, but at the same time, I got to really watch that. Yeah. So um, I don't think I wouldn't want them until later. Like let me screw up on something else. And it's not Are you saying you're No, but like, you know, you learn things. Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I totally. I, I am actually kind of terrified that I'm going to screw it up. But so but then far, that, that, I have editors who are saying I'm not. So, But even, you probably won't, but then that just caves away to, to kick ass on Dazzler. Exactly. Yeah, and do something about her. I got you back, That's what I'm saying. Oh, thank you. I've sold one copy. <laughs> yeah. What's it like 25? Yeah, yeah, I sold 25. Uh, probably. 26, <laughs> and my dad bought a copy. <laughs> nice. And my mom, 27. What are we up to? I don't know. We're done with this whole thing now. I mean, I, I think that we've covered the most important thing. <laughs> yes. Dear God. David Lopez on art, and he is knocking it out of the park uh, on the mini. He came from Catwoman, and he really nails expressions, action, absolutely everything. And it's made me also go back and review my outline and uh, everything for the first four issues, or for the four-issue mini, because now that I see how freaking amazing he tackles so many things, I kind of wanted to rewrite it, Um, because I want to put in stuff that he just totally kicked ass Give and take. Yeah, completely. Who's that? I'm up. Yes. First question. Uh, Mike Graham says, what up-and-coming creators are you excited about at Marvel? What uh, what do you like about their work? What about people working outside of Marvel? Just talk for an hour. Who's the best Marvel that we don't You know what? I honestly, honestly think that, um, you know, a lot of people, we, we've talked about it in the same podcast. People talk about Captain America um, and how that run, the Brubaker, Epting, mm-hmm. and company, run, you kind of feel like it's our generation's um, Miller on Daredevil. Um, I think that what uh, Matt Fraction has planned for Iron Man this coming year is that for that character. Wow. There you go. So I'm insanely excited. I also think this guy... um, Jim McCann has some really (laughs) (laughs) good stuff from Oxenberg. Uh, second question: Are there any plans to expand the Max or Icon lines in the near future? Max, uh, Max line, uh, we intentionally keep very small, mm-hmm. uh, but we will continue to do miniseries. Punisher is the only ongoing, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we've actually it is bigger than it's really ever been. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at the amount of books, I think there's like four being solicited almost every month. Uh, they're just minis, and so I think people have this perception that the Max line isn't bigger. Um, than when it was Punisher and Alias, um, so it, it is. It has grown. The Icon line. Um, there are a property or two that you may see grow. We're slowly growing that line. Um, yeah. well, the new Bird so, Baker one that was announced. The yes. Cognito one. And, yeah. So and Ben uh, also hinted at one, right? Yes. Cool. Yes. Good leading question. <laughs> Alright, our next question comes from GreenDark32, who says, This could be totally way off, but do you think that if the price of comics were cheaper, more people would be inclined to buy some of the better received but lesser tough selling titles? So basically, the, there are great books that aren't selling if they were cheaper. Um, it's funny, I was at the grocery store yesterday, and 
I saw hot chocolate for sale, and there was Swiss Miss and Nestle, and they were two ninety nine each. And then there was this random store brand, and it was like one ninety nine, and it freaked me out because it was cheaper and something that I hadn't really heard of and was kind of weirded out about. So I paid the extra dollar for Swiss Miss. The brand affiliation. So it kind of, there's, our culture kind of is that way. Um, also, if this is the roundabout way of saying our comics can get cheaper, no, they're not. It's, it's not, it, 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 they never did. They never went backwards. But why did you pull up outside in the Bentley, sir? <laughs> this this issue had no deal being for dollars. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, can't see from the dime. Everything's more expensive. That's, you know, I mean, that's the, that's and, the, that's and, the problem with the comic. Yeah, with, it, with it the completely price is. Thing. And you know what? We did we did twenty five cent issues. Um, people have done dollar issues, things like that. Well, it, it, it's a gimmick. It lasts for that one amount of time, and then. It, Goes away. Do you think Marvel would ever be interested in doing like the thing of the uh, image experiments, the 199 comics where they did 60 like, pages. 60 page books from, from Fraction, from Warren Ellis, like that and uh, Casanova? We would get raked over the calls for putting out a 16 page comic book. Really? In what way? No matter what we do, we do something wrong. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. That's the voice of a man who's been doing this for several years. No, you're right. Yeah. It's true. We could we could save puppies, and somebody would say, "Oh yeah, well, what about people who are allergic to dogs?" Mm. So you know, uh, I mean, we have we have the uh, digital comics that are being done, the online uh, exclusive digital comics, and that is actually a lot of those. If you notice, they kind of tie-in or lead you to other comics, um, and that's a great way for people to start and to try out. Um, a lot of times they're first issues of things, um, which uh, Vertigo did as well, um, like with Why the Last Man. And things like that. So, you know, I think, I think that's a more realistic goal, just given the economy, given the cost of paper, printing, shipping. It's expensive. Yeah. So maybe a digital trial you have to be comfortable with reading online, and that's a whole other question. Yeah, you, you you get into it all. Can we just say puppies? Okay. Where are we? Oh, Sullivan, Sullivan 85 says, tell us about the free comics that Marvel talent employees must get. Do you all get free comics every week? Do you ship out free stuff to the creators? I'm just curious about the free stuff that the average Marvel creator must get. Did, I we the must fantasy. get them. <laughs> <laughs> the fantasy, <laughs> a wonderful life must be once you get to those. Hell it's the box of comics coming, oh, yeah. the throwing them up in the air. Yeah, like the money bit. Have Full you comic. seen Willy Wonka? We <laughs> <laughs> totally kicked that shit's ass. <laughs> and again, my parents aren't hearing this podcast. <laughs> no, um, I can't answer this question. No, um, well, they're cops. I mean, they're, they're, they're the job has its perks, um, but I do believe that people have a very inflated idea. At least you well, see comics in the store. I think actually, and our fanboy anecdote is that we've been to the Marvel offices, we visit you, know, visit, you visit other people. Um, the, the shock of shocks was waiting in the waiting room and looking at the rack of comics on the wall and seeing that they're from like four or five years ago. <laughs> like literally, like I'm like, I remember that issue. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't one or two of them. <laughs> it was the entire thing. 
I, I believe when you guys came, there was like the tsunami title. <laughs> Right here. Like Runaways number two was there, like volume one. Was... Oh, like Neymar and Scotty Young's like uh, uh, Human Torch. Right. Oh, that was very funny. That was the I think that was the the shake into reality. You know, yeah. yeah, that's not really how it is. No, not so much. Yeah. Uh, Steve M uh, says, "Let me start by saying I always need to think of long. I fully believe that you all at Marvel. I fully believe that you all at Marvel, in addition to wanting to make money, want to turn out good comics. There's a big old butt coming out you. Here's my question." Why? Yeah, there is. Why do you continue to reward slow, irresponsible slash late artists with uh, work with high profile high profile work when there are so many talented guys trying to break into the business or already working in the business who I believe, given the chance, could build up the same following? As an example, why continue to put somebody who lays using names, but Hitch McNiven show on a book, uh, dooming it to lateness when you can put somebody lesser known but equally talented on a book and get a better work ethic, get them look at on time, and not upset fans. It's a loaded question. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the phrasing of the question, everything about the question um, is antagonistic, but I get where you're coming from, so I know that it's not necessarily what? meaning to. It's a mis... It's, I don't know that it's a misperception. It is, a, it is definitely a, something that we hear about mm-hmm. from some people. However, uh, late comics, not a new thing. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Late comics, not an exclusive to Marvel thing. Uh, creators are going to put out what they put out when they put out them. The level of talent doesn't necessarily determine the length of time it takes to put out a comic. Uh, for Yes, there are some people whose books are going to slip or ship late. For them, we try our very, very best to put something off and put, and put it off until we can solicit the vast majority of it. Um, we well, Also, I will say for one word, as far as rewarding somebody, mm-hmm. Lineal Francis Hugh. He got Secret Invasion mm-hmm. because he was the right artist for the book. He fit the tone perfectly. He also did not ship it the last issue bump two weeks. He also killed it. I mean, and yeah. he yeah. nailed yeah. that book. Yeah. He also is on my uh, he was on New Avengers. Yeah. That book did not ship late. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve McNiven, by the way, when he was on Avengers, that book did not ship late. Uh, I loved him on four. four. Yes. Yeah. On four people, it was great. Yeah. People yeah. and on four, which yeah. did not ship late. Yeah. People get people get things in their mind, like, oh my god, well this is totally going to ship late. Yes, there are some books that are going to ship late, there are some, and, and it sucks, but the it sucks that it ships late. The quality does not suck. Um, also, though, you got your J.R. Juniors. Nails yeah. that book, nails it, can do a book overnight. Yeah. I mean, it is a monster. Um, sales, however, you know, really kind of determine it. The fans like what they like. They like the artists. They like, and it doesn't matter if they're fast or slow. Um, yeah, we hopefully will see some people picking up. And uh, Billy Tan. Billy has gone right up through the ranks. Er, and Koi Fan. Koi did Incredible Hercules yeah. for a couple of issues. Now he's on Mighty Avengers. Yeah. And he is meeting deadlines, hitting it out of the park, 
So if you get both of those things in in congruity, you have sales and you're on time, you'll you'll move up. I mean, there is a a balance. There is not... And seriously, what do you want us to do? Smack them on the nose with a freaking roll? I don't want to live in a world without a Frank Whiteley book because he doesn't draw fast enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 not like we're like rewarding them, and it's not like we're cheering them on, saying later, later, later. Because right. it makes yeah. your job easier. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's yeah. So we're getting into the bit of an antagonistic phase of the questioning. So just bear yeah, with. I just so. saw your piece of paper, and there's a freaking paragraph. <laughs> I'm gonna try to summarize as best as I can, and and um, the guy who wrote this, John Samuelson, prefaces by saying, if he's misinformed about anything that he says, please use this opportunity to straighten him out. Oh, I see this, and I yeah. know what this is. I yeah. did actually read this online. Okay, so, you're right. so I'm going to go to his, so I'm gonna go to his sum up. Yeah, I'm going to sum up. Said, yeah. His point that he's making is that if the coming of Galactus and Fantastic Four, the Dark Phoenix saga in X-Men stories, were told today, they wouldn't be allowed to happen organically, but they would be turned into some huge corporate event and ultimately wouldn't have the same impact. And it's about the eventification of storyline. Because there's a perception that... that well, no, Any good idea. That, that, that Secret Invasion was supposed to be an Avengers title was changed to an event. To that I say Death of Captain America. And the Bucky storyline. Fair enough. Um, you do not have to have read C- uh, Civil War uh, because the death of Cap was fully intended from the start of Brubaker's run, uh, and it has completely stayed within its own thing. We marked the hell out of Bucky taking up the mantle, no. and no other books tied it. Um, as far as new, but then you get. The question asked earlier by why does this exist in a pocket universe? Right. This is the yang to that question that yeah. is yin. So we get the whole. Uh, it, it goes back to the you can't quite you can't, can't make everybody, everybody yeah. happy. Everybody's so, Also, this storyline it wasn't editorially mandated. Brian, you have to make this um, a, a limelight event. It was they're among all of us. That's freaking creepy. So why not let this play out in the Marvel U? Yeah, the pieces fell in place. So, yeah. It makes sense to me. I don't have a problem with it. Personally. <laughs> personally. Well, as long as it makes sense to you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Mom's go ahead and give it his thumbs up. Except for the Fantastic Four. That's what <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you hate that. Yeah, I hated that. I thought, yeah. Anyway. B. Patrol says, Can Marvel do anything to leverage the huge movie and DVD audience to let those millions of people specifically know the comics exist and they can be bought in comic shops? For instance, I bought the Iron Man DVD. There was no mention of the packaging. There's an Iron Man comic, or that I can buy the comic shop. There's millions of these DVDs, well, et cetera, et cetera. I'm almost positive that there was a link to a digital comic on one of the special features of the Iron Man DVD. I could be wrong. I do know that in the Walmart, uh, there's a mini DVD. Um, it really kind of determines on the space and packaging. People do know that it came from a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the best we can as far as getting things. Uh, everybody knows on all the press when everybody's talking about uh, the movies. My job gets infinitely busier around movie time. Because there's more tension. And I only handle comics. I don't do marketing for our films. And I get tons of requests for comic book art. They, they do histories of the comic book character. So within maybe the DVD sales, it varies and depends. But um, there is there's definitely as we go forward, I know especially also Iron Man first Marvel Studios DVD mm-hmm. release. So we're still and they're different we're still companies. To, I mean, like they're different. Yeah. Group. Yeah. So yeah. but we're 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 
we're definitely going in the direction of trying to make sure that people know cross-pollinization of audiences. Um, but the awareness is there. Uh, what I think is the hardest thing is for facing comic book is uh, uh, comics is it's kind of hard to find a comic shop yeah. a lot of times. Direct market signage, yeah. Direct yeah. market, direct market is difficult. Um, people talk about you know why are we not back in the heydays of the '90s? And one of the things they they forget is we have about three thousand uh, retailers in the direct market now. We had like I don't know. Again, ten times yeah, that number yeah, a ton. in the yeah. '90s. You, they were in malls. They were everywhere. You could find comics everywhere. And now it's more difficult to find comics. Yeah. So just tell your friends, and you know, if you if your friends liked, I mean, I know there can be people who go, "Isn't that your job?" Um, but tell your friends <laughs> so much you where do, there yeah. is exactly. yeah. a comic shop. Uh, there's also the Comic Shop Locator service, comicshoplocator.com. And I think like uh, CBR has a number of a number of websites have good locator services to help try and find comics, and you can order on the web. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you, I mean, it's sort of my belief now that we're in year eight of this uh, comic book movie phenomenon. Mm -hmm. It's not like when a comic book comes, a movie, comic book movie, the sales go way way up on monthly books. Really. That doesn't, no, it's a bump. It sells yeah. trades, I think, but it doesn't necessarily. Yeah, it sells trades. You're readers. absolutely correct in that it sells trades. Mm -hmm. uh, we did see it with Iron Man um, people coming in, and it was a good thing that we had Iron Man number one. Yeah. Uh, in so there. Jump on. But yeah. Think those were probably just existing comic book readers who weren't reading Iron Man before. I think it's a mix. I think there. I do know that there were some. There were some savvy uh, local comics. I mean, we. Can't afford to take out ads, and you can't go to every theater. Movie theater. Yeah. But you know what? Um, comic shops, a, a lot of them just went down to their kinkos, made a hundred copies of just a simple piece of paper with a map on there and the Iron Man logo from the movie theater to their store, and they saw people go and they just handed them out. I mean, it's we we are a cottage industry. We're 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 a big industry in that. The brand is known, but the actual product is still small. And I think that a lot makes of sense. yeah, I think a lot of the retailers lean on you guys on the companies too much to do their marketing for them. Yeah. And they forget that they need to do events and they need to do things like that. And we do what we can, and we will continue to do what we can. But we're gonna need partners to keep well, it the, growing. The question being that you see is that you know why does why doesn't Marvel end up comic books? Everybody buys an Iron Man today. They don't get is money. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. Financially and fiscally. Brian Maru writes in, why does Marvel have so few creator-owned books? I mean, it's not as it's, I mean, it's not as in your big company, shame on you for hurting the artist, more so, where is your vertigo icon? I know Power is Criminal and other titles exist, but Marvel has, does Marvel have little interest in such projects? This is the prosecutorial phase of the question. Yeah, told you it was the not fun bit. Yeah, we kind of covered this. Uh, a little bit earlier. We have Icon. Uh, it's growing. Um, I, to be perfectly honest, a lot of people ask me, like, is there a character or a book or something like that that I would love to steal from DC or trade with? I would love Vertigo. I think Vertigo is a great company. Yeah. I think Vertigo is a great company. Seriously, there are, there are two pages in Why the Last Man, issue 60, that I still cannot read. Like, I, I can't really read. I'm right there. Yeah. I'm doing the I got you thing. Yeah. Just for those of you who can't see. 
You know, I mean, uh, damn great. So I, 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 I think Vertigo is a great thing. I think creator-owned lines are really good. Uh, but there are a number of publishers out there who do creator-owned uh, comics, and they're free to do that. So thanks for the question, Mr. Kirkman. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Oh, I'm just kidding, Robert. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> next question is comes from Dartboard. Anyway. So our next question comes from Chris Go, who says, um, can someone please can someone at Marvel please kill the sentry? Perhaps he could die of dehydration due to his endless crying fits. And I'd like to add on to this that uh, Tom Caters of the Around Comics podcast has pledged a hundred dollars to a writer who will kill the sentry, and I'll match that. So two hundred dollars to the writer who will kill the sentry. There are other and you can take that back. And I could probably get that pretty higher if we did a pledge drive or some sort. Um, I do need to pay off this new back. <laughs> the Bentley fee. So are there any plans to kill the century that you're aware of? Again, <laughs> well, my whole we'll journal is a voice. No one at Marvel can kill the century because he's not real. And so we can't kill him. Cop out! <laughs> the thing about comic books is once they're born... Yeah, there's no getting rid of them. It's like herpes. It's like herpes. So the century is herpes. Nice. Oh, yeah, really. If I can't say it here, I can't say it. That is going to be the poll quote. <laughs> Next question is from Road Crew. Will this year's What Ifs, which you are co-writing in the House of the Special, congrats, by the way, and keep collecting and trading for back form? I hope so. <laughs> so I, I, I would like to have it sitting on my shelf. <laughs> and I can guess the answer to the next question. And his follow-up question, who would write the best Dazzler series in your opinion? Are you road crew number one, Jim? <laughs> yeah, I am. You know, it's really funny. I um, I walked into the X-Men office, and I was like, all right, look, no secret. I really want to write Dazzler. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to write it for the sake of just being like, right there, got my dazzle rocks off, so to speak. Um, you know, I, it's a story that needs to come out organically, and so you never know when somebody's going to write the best one. I hope that I get the chance to write well, something. You need to let Brubaker fraction but, do thing, and then you need to write the ultimate uh, dazzler, not ultimate, but you need yeah. to write the good Defending. dazzler long shot reuniting story. That's you what know, I want. Yeah, if something came out organically of yeah. what they were doing, I would Because they gotta get it. long shots back. So Dazzler's back, even though she has enormous tatas. It, uh, long <laughs> I'm so upset by that, by the way. Do, do you see how Regland drew her? That's not Dazzler. Sorry. <laughs> I'm looking too closely, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> the only dude in the history of comic fans is like, I know, like her boots are yeah. big. We've had, we, we went over this. It was episode 150. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Uh, episode 150 was... That was our... Yeah, uh, things got too personal. Yeah, yeah, they, oh, okay. This next question is... Uh, my Pistola. <laughs> uh, who do you think has been the top creative this year, creative team this year in both DC and Marvel, or who's the best writer in your opinion and the best artist out there? Who's kicking ass this year? That's... Choosing my babies. <laughs> um, well, what about from DC? From DC, um, I don't read it. No, I'm just uh, no, I um, I love Fables. So uh, does Vertigo count? Sure, sure, okay. totally. Um, I love Fables. I am catching up on that. Uh, also, why The Last Man wrapped up this year, so it still counts. Sure. I think that was the best ending. It's great. Um, I think it was. I I think it was the best. One of the best. Beginning, middle, end stories 
Um, so BKV is kicking ass. I think on our side, I really think the brand new day writers um, are doing a really good job. And I'm not saying that like, oh, he's throwing the company line. Um, I think you really read what they're doing. They are bringing, they're doing some really good old school Spider-Man stories. It's a good run. I mean, you I agree. Know, I absolutely agree. Uh, you take take away whatever your feelings are about Mary Jane, marriage, Mephisto, one more day, whatever. Marriage? They were married? Start, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, like, I, I think take what they're doing and look at, and really, like, look at that and then go back and read, like, the books are the fun. They weren't Stacey fun. They were yeah. fun before. There's yeah. a lot there of fun energy in them. There's, there's also a really good soap opera element yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, and also... I, I love the Norman really, stuff and the, and the yeah. uh, Harry stuff. Oh, it's great. And I, I, I gotta say that I love the way Brian has done the Secret Invasion tie-ins. So, no, Brian Bendis. Brian Bendis. I really think the way Bendis has done the tie-ins has been really, really cool and really brilliant. Um, it's... It really gives us this whole feel. Um, it is an extended cut. I know some people are like, why doesn't this take place in the main proper? Because then the books would have to be 86 pages long. It's going to make an amazing omnibus. So, we'll see. <laughs> I think Josh should read this next question. I think it's Augie professional. Okay, I'll try. Augie, you're really cute here, actually. I've seen in your Twitter that you've been doing some writing of your own. What's your writing? Who are you pitching to? What's the end of the Secret of Agent 8? Do you have a writing skit? I can't even do it. He lost all you. He lost, yeah, completely lost, lost all you. He's yeah. probably thrilled about that. <laughs> uh, can you answer two out of three of the previous questions? So, what's your writing? Who are you pitching to? What is the end of Secret Invasion 8? And do you have a writing schedule? He, he didn't catch his question correctly. We've already talked about the first couple. Well, we know what I'm writing. Uh, I am. Was so that all you're writing? Uh, that is not. I. Um, uh, this has to be known by the time this comes out, but um, during an X-Men Christmas special for our holiday special, which will be on the web. Uh, I, oh, the holiday special's on the web this year? Yeah. Mm, I love the holiday special. But then I can send the link to my mom. Yeah, you know, for it. Fair enough, yeah. Alright. Yeah, True. you don't have to pay for it, and it'll get more people to read the comics. Do you know how much money I give your company on a weekly basis? <laughs> like a you lot. You can give me two ninety nine. <laughs> okay, so And then you can read it. <laughs> so Let them read it a week early. So, <laughs> um, and I, I, I am... I'm really wanting to do right uh, by New Adventures of the Reunion, yeah. uh, so I'm I'm spending a lot of time concentrating on that. Uh, I I have ideas. Um, there are some things that I would like to do. Uh, I'm doing a fill-in issue for a series um, coming down the road, uh, probably too soon to talk about, but uh, it's it, it's been a lot of fun working on that. So there there are some things, and then uh you know I am working on. Marvel's, you know, uh, Marvel being great to me, giving me a lot of really good work. They're also going to let me do creator-owned stuff, but it's so, so early. You know, I'm just starting out. I have ideas. I do have a couple people that I've been talking to, but it's it's such an early stage. Um, But hopefully, year two down the line, there'll be something to do. So, so now, and feel free not to ask this if you don't want to, but, no but given your relationship working at Marvel, mm-hmm. I mean, I assume you don't have an exclusive deal then. So right. could you write for others if you wanted to? Or um, I could. Other companies? I could. Uh, I am... It's awkward. Uh, it, it's odd. Yeah. Like, um, 
I would. I'm a massive GI Joe fan, yeah. so it would be kind of freaking cool to write one of the Joe books. Um, I love a number of the characters of Top Cow. I would also like to write a Star Wars comic. <laughs> wow, you brought the size. Put the iPhone down. Oh, it's a shit. So, to Dark Horse, Jeremy Latchman, Dirk, everybody. I have a lightsaber on my iPod Touch. That's what she said. <laughs> so, um, you know, there are things out there. Uh, there is one line that I won't cross in. That's that I just I wouldn't write um, a DC project. Um, and it's and that's not a here. personal. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't mean that at all as a personal line. Yeah. Um, no son of mine. That's Superman. The Mason Dixon line is now Broadway. <laughs> Just so you know. Uh, if you weren't aware. Um, I don't have See, nothing about Jim. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't lose the other dick. Love it. It would be too awkward and too weird for everybody involved. Yeah. So, given, given my ties. Oh, and then I still have it, but, you know, it, it's still, so, I, and I would like to, I, there are some stories that I have that I want to tell with my own toys, you know, so, so we may not, see you in nobody else's IP. Do you count Vertigo on that, or just DC? Um, I, superheroes? I, I, I do count Vertigo in that, um, yeah, I kind of have to. count Vertigo in there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vertigo, I mean, Vertigo was one of the Count Vertigo was a flash film, right? No, but I, I think Vertigo is a fantastic line, as I've said, yeah. um. Probably, I think I've said Predator more than Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, so so you'd be so I'm you're down right. For that too. So <laughs> so your writing career is budding. That's awesome. Thank um, you. All right, so our next question comes from Pisces Paul. Oh, do I have a writing schedule? Yeah, uh, as often as possible. Is it hard to think about anything but writing now that you're writing? Like, is it? Um, is it I have I'm in the office night? three days a week, and I work from home two days a week. Yeah. So those two days are dedicated to writing. But then I also have a tendency to stay up late and work, uh, you know, it depends on when I get notes back, right. um, or like I went down to Nashville and there's an artist down there that I want to do a project with that's totally different from most comics, um, and uh, we worked, you know, we're, we're working on something that's really, I mean, we're talking two, three years down the road, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, that's catch as catch can, because right. just the way her, her art style is, yeah. uh, so... Cool. Yeah. Well, we're, looking, we're looking forward to it all. Why, thank you. All right, so Pisces Paul wants to know, you're trapped on a desert island. What three graphic novels do you bring with you, and what three music albums do you bring with you? That's really hard, um, because I don't know that I have a record player. <laughs> you have some sort of music playing device. Okay. It's solar powered. Yeah. <laughs> Crank. Um, you have a phonogram. You have a 12 meg iPod. Also, music for me changes <laughs> like its flavor of the moment for me a lot of times. Um, but I would say Adele 19 uh, right now is, I think, an amazing CD. Um, and then do playlists count? Can I just make a playlist? Can I have like three playlists that I get to bring with me? You can do whatever you want. I get to bring three playlists. This so. isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't real. So, and, um, the 
it's nerdiest answer ever, but uh, score for um, Empire Strikes Back. No, I so like the Battle City. That's been playing okay. all the time until a plane showed up. You uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> belong here amongst yeah. the clouds. I, yeah, I tend to write to that, and then I'll <laughs> great nice thing. You just did Colonel Calrissian. <laughs> yeah, General, my friend. No, but you just did Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just made a deal that's going to ensure that Empire ain't going to come around here for a long time. <laughs> and then my third rule of law. What's your graphic novels? With your graphic novels, um, the, the original Secret Wars, uh, Mutant Massacre, and uh, Marvels. Oh, classics. Excellent. Jared 9J9. Nice word. Redundant. <laughs> As, he says, I'm a guy who loves comics so much, I'm also majoring in marketing. I would love to combine both so that I end up doing what I love looking. As that you, this this guy is a guru. Maybe he can give us a pointer to do that very well. Use more punctuation in your <laughs> sentences. <laughs> no, uh, no, that can't do she. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a good tip right there. Yeah, don't, don't be a douche. Don't be a douche. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I was just saying you were douche, and that is very true. Do not be a douche. Be professional. Be persistent. Be patient. Uh, is there one tip you've got for like one, one for marketing device? for somebody into marketing? For somebody into marketing, um, I would, I, I, I would, I would work in comics journalism. You know, I, I would seriously like you know a number of the people that do thing. That, I mean, so it's a small industry. We all know each other. It is very um, small. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody gets together, and so freelance, freelance, write for your favorite comic book website, news website, uh, do reviews, but do reviews, not message board post reviews, <laughs> um, uh, you know, offer, offer, learn that way because that's going to be the best way to learn is from that side of the table. Um, a lot of people are, have been hired at Marvel, DC, Top Cow, all over that came from Wizard, CBR, a number of places. Mm -hmm. So learn uh, learn comics journalism and comics marketing in the comic book field, and it'll also help the industry grow uh, and help out these poor tired people who are looking at me like they were trying to stop talking. Well, no, I was gonna say that's a that's a great response because I in uh, a younger Ron in early two thousands asked somebody who was at Marvel in marketing. May or may not salute the company now about what does a guy do to get into comics marketing and got blown off the hardest he's ever been blown off by anybody and that was like a big turnoff for you, you know, for a while. You know, no, but you know, but it was so it's it's good to hear yeah, that. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean that was a perfect example, yeah. So um with yeah. uh, uh Klopp comes back and says, <laughs> with the current rise in the price of paper, should I sell my comics to a recycling plant? Or is the ink that Marvel uses to make those too toxic for recycling, or should I just sell them as is? <laughs> I think we're gonna. Okay, say. Six Gun says I'm Andrew Baker. Wait, 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 the look on Jim's face right now is priceless. <laughs> right, sorry. Anyway, just I don't know. Give, give them, them away. Give them away. And I'm gonna be serious here. If you're not happy or you're tired of comics and tired of comic collecting, long boxes and back issues. A lot of people don't. A lot of comic stores don't deal with them anymore. Right. One of the 
best things that I've ever seen anybody do, and there is actually a place called A Comic Shop in Orlando, Florida, run by Jason Blanchard. And those guys are fantastic. One of the things that they do when an issue comes out in trade paperback form, if they still have the back issues, they go around to tattoo parlors, co uh, uh, doctor's offices, and um, college campuses, and they just leave the comics there, stamp uh, the location of their store on it, and they have grown year over year. They've only been open for three years, and they've grown year over year by 20 to 60% each year. So, awesome. give, recycle your comics, not in a recycling plant, also, but um, to a person. Hospitals and libraries. Yes, hospital libraries. Yeah. I've actually, um, when we moved offices, a number of people cleaned out their stuff, and a lot of times people clean out their offices and clean out trades and things like that, and um, in this wide dearth of comics that we get. Uh, and it's I actually a sea of comics. Like, oh, yeah, it's just it's swimming. swimming. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually take a lot of the trades and have been uh, kind of building up a bit of a collection to donate to my high school. Oh, cool. So let's get back. All right. So, um, so that's what you should do. Six gun rights. Uh, that uh, he says, I'm Ed Brubaker's biggest fan ever. Will you ask him to adopt me? Sure, I'll ask him. <laughs> For a more serious question. Should I hope for any Ed Brubaker book announcements in the relatively near future? I think you can hope for them. <laughs> Will your hopes yeah, be fulfilled? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. Oh. How near the future? And what is it? How does it end? And how does it end? Who's he killing next? Ed Brubaker on Be Dazzling. <laughs> nice. He puts Bucky in the Dazzler costume. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that got weird. So the next question is lots of them. We'll just take a couple here. Can we see um, Animal Vader 1 says, can we see Marvel's classic G.I. Joe run reprinted? That's beautiful. We don't, we don't own the rights anymore. I'm sorry. That's, um, I, I wish. Right. Yes. Okay, so, it, so I'm assuming you're not going to reprint the classic Marvel UK G.I. Joe action for book. We don't do... We don't actually... <laughs> Wait, he was a different company. Any Marvel UK stuff, yeah. Except the Captain Britain on the bus. Yeah, which you which you're like pre-ordered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And you and I are also the only two that pre-ordered Sea Wars two. Well, that's, hey, that's a good lead up to the next question. What can I expect coming once the omnibus? Uh, Secret Wars 2, the first <laughs> no. time ever collected in any format. So it's every tie-in and everything. Because when we talked about that, we talked about this a year ago, yeah. and it was Secret Wars and Secret Wars Two in one omnibus. At least what I understand. You know, now it's split up. <sighs> oh yeah. Wow. All oh, those times. There's also going to be another uh, um, Captain America omnibus volume two. Yeah. Uh, Captain Britain, like we mentioned. Captain Britain. Albert Davis. Um, yes, we get there. Get support that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, uh, Marvel's yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't have the production schedule in front of me, but I mean, it, we plan to continue the Omnibu uh, yeah. production. I, I love them. I have ordered the Punisher one. Is there a you know, plan to do Garth's entire Punisher one? Uh, depends on how it goes. But Can you ask them if I said please? I, I will let them know you said please. Thank you. It's not so much Garth, it's really no, good. No, I want, you know what, honestly, I want Garth's whole Punisher Another another good place to go is uh, the Marvel Masterworks board. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a message board, it's Marvel Masterworks, uh, and 
you can make some suggestions there. Yeah. Uh, and then you can also, she loves it when I do this, go onto the Bendis board and bug Jen Grunewald <laughs> for every collection that you want. <laughs> Just send her a private message after private message after public message over and over again. Can you give back her private email address? She's on Twitter. You can find her on Twitter. Number. All right. Direct clear. Uh, Torque. Uh, this year has has seen so much build up to Secret Invasion, followed by eight months of the series crossing over the Marvel Universe, affecting a lot of books. In 2007, we had two months of dealing with the tail end of Civil War and five months of World War Hulk. Some people have been feeling event fatigue, given more that that half given more than half of a given year is wrapped in one quote event. That's a quote within a quote. Or another. Is there any change readers could see to an elongated period of time, perhaps eight months or a year, where Marvel is in the midst of a big, of setting up a big event? Uh, I have paragraph fatigue at this point. Okay, this is this is an interesting question and one that is, gets brought up all the time. And I think event fatigue is a similar buzzword as uh, dependence on foreign oil. Like, I want to shoot myself in the face. We, we, ha- we can't get into this on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just, there are certain buzzwords that people love to throw around, and event fatigue is one of them. Uh, if there was such a thing as, as event fatigue, then Secret Invasion wouldn't be number one selling. The tie-ins would not see bumps. You see, but that, you see, uh, but here's, the, here's the thing, is that that's tough, because, because it... Because that's that's the tough thing. Because, because and when I interviewed Bendis, we got into a snit over Ultimate X Men because I was questioning how good Ultimate X Men was, and he goes, "Yeah, but it's selling." And the thing is that I don't necessarily think there's a connection between fatigue and quality of books and the sales numbers because a lot of times people buy them because they yeah. don't want to they don't want to not be in the loop. They can still be tired. This of is it. true. Yeah. They can be. Um, but you know what? This is the other thing. An event. It depends on what you define as an event. Civil War to secret. Civil War was a line wide crossover. Secret Invasion was a line-wide crossover. World War Hulk was much more like what an earlier questioner asked. Like where, yeah, it was it was smaller. There yeah. were and it really only took place over a little House bit of thing. Like annihilation. House of M, yeah. Annihilation. Well, Annihilation was a line-wide crossover. So yeah, well, for, for like three books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, nothing you Not read, to, but yes, it affected me. And yeah, it was exactly. Great. Yeah. And just like War of Kings coming up is going to be. A crossover. It's going to be its own event. Messiah Complex was its own event. Depends on what you consider an event. Is an event a storyline that's epic? Is an event a crossover that involves a number of tie-ins? We're in serialized storytelling, so we're constantly going to be telling stories. We're constantly going to be setting up stories. Otherwise, it's your, as Bendis likes to say, Wolverine eating a sandwich issue. It's you, you, You can't not have forward movement in comic book storytelling. Um, a lot of people like to have a nostalgic view. Go back and reread Claremont Byrne X-Men. There are constant plot threads seeding in and out and playing up. Some of which have never been followed up on. Yeah. However, that was one long story. He was constantly setting things up. He set up uh, the Dark Phoenix saga. You know, I mean, there were things that were always being set up within there, just like there are always going to be things set up within our. Just magnified now. It's more magnified. So, so, the, answer, so the answer is no. Yes. This is this is forever. You know, the other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're not going to stop setting things up because then we're just going to stop publishing. Okay. 
Um, next question is from the next champion who says, now that Marvel's gone digital, do you guys really think that there's a future? this is the future of comics? I mean, it's great to know fantastic writers like Jason Aaron are going to be doing original material for this new venture, but does Marvel in general think that this will ultimately be the future of comics? Question for somebody way, way, way further than me. And way, <laughs> That's above way, my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> way further down the road as well. Do you like digital comics? I'm writing one. No, uh, <laughs> I believe you. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, I, I'm writing one. I like them. I, um, I think, uh, you know, I think they are one form of, uh, they're one way of enjoying the medium. Uh, I personally like the physical format. Um, I think people got really scared. Uh, when the internet kind of yeah. started, like when people started publishing like iBooks and stuff yeah. like that, and novels haven't gone away. People still want to take a book to the beach. I still want to sit down and I want to turn the page and I want to see. So I think there's always going to be a printed, a, a, a printed. How much longer can the issue sustain of a 20, 24 page story in a five dollar per month? Rounding up. No, we're <laughs> talking about know, that's the next price. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. How much longer? Three ninety nine, four ninety nine. I don't know. People could have asked that question. Dollar twenty five. Those yeah. fuckers when they raised it from a dollar to a dollar twenty five. Yeah. Never forget that. We've been at three dollars for like a decade. Yeah, we have. Yeah. No, we went back and looked. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's I, I. Yeah. It's it's not like music. Music went digital, like CD sales and anything else that went away yeah. almost completely, and people. Download things on iTunes and and listen digitally it's a, because it's an it's an oral. It's a different experience. Uh, it's an A, not O. Uh, experience. It's auditory, so it can go wherever. But reading uh, reading a comic is is a physical. I mean, there and there's also a, a collector mentality and a collect. Uh, there's just a more tangible feel to it. Yeah. Uh, there are people who will like to read comics digitally though. So. Color E. That's what we need. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Leland P13 says, Firestar, Angelica Jones, for real, where is she? Not this retired BS. Love the ultimate one, but not the, it's not the same. It is not a sentence, though. Uh, like, anyway. I would like to Currently, echo. she's on Toon Disney on the <laughs> Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends reruns. Wow. I miss Angelica. Uh, I do, too. I think she's a great character. You of FL Chief. Whatever happens, like, damn. Just like, make your name your screen name. I'm fine with that. Bob. Uh, says, hey, love last year's interview. Thanks for coming on Thank again. You. It seems pretty... <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it seems pretty obvious. He's never coming back here again. So it's joy for now. With new readers in mind, identifying characters with every issue, with name logos back in materials in issue one, telling you what else to read. With that in mind, what was Marvel's goal for, in, for the Embrace Change TV commercial that aired during the minor league baseball game a couple months ago? I would never have heard about it if I didn't see the Marvel press release because I and everyone know don't know don't watch minor league baseball on TV. Were you hoping to attract new young readers? Was it done so you could tell your publisher, creditor, shareholders, look, we advertise on TV, or was it done for some other reason? Well, you kind of answer your own question on there. Uh, you didn't necessarily hear about it because uh, we already have you. Uh, we reached out to a completely different audience. We had the opportunity uh, to advertise. And we took it, and we did the embrace change. We did it in a, in a unique, uh, kind of creepy, but kind of mainstream uh, format in hopes that it, it brought in new readers. Uh, again, we're still looking into advertising on television and 
how feasible that is, especially given the economy. All right, I'm going to skip the next question because we already talked about it. It asked whether movies made your job easier or not. We talked about that with Iron Man and stuff. Okay. Um, so last question, believe it or not. We're at the finish line. Oh. comes from our friend Schlopp. He <laughs> says, um, when will there be a Spider-Man cartoon that will last? There are so many cartoons based on so many titles, it's just too confusing. Wait, I'm confused by the question because it makes it seem like there are so many Spider-Man cartoons. It seems like know. there has been, though. Well, there's been like three recent years. What? That's a lot. There's been three. Yeah, but that spectacular, spectacular Spider-Man, yeah. which song gets always stuck in my head. I, I, that's coming back. Yeah, that's yeah. coming back. So yeah. they bullets. That one's lasting. The other one. That one's yeah. lasting, and that's, that one's that's good. A good one. I like it. I yeah, really like that one. Like, well, there was. Yeah, it's got this like. It, it's got an extended storyline. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it can be done in one, but they have the undercurrent. Like, yeah. Well, there was the Aborted Bendis MTV one. Yes. And then there was the, the one before that. The night, yeah, time, I did, yeah. And like, that too was on Toon Disney. Yeah. And yes. that covered that covered Cosmic Movie for a really long time. Uh, is it Toon Disney or is that where Jetix is? Where Jetix is? What they called? show Boom. What, Boom, Boom, Boom is, shows is Super Friends. Yes. But Jetix, wherever that is, has Jetix, yes. Hulk. It has Hulk, Iron Man, Iron it has Man. Hawkeye. Uh, and the West Coast <laughs> Avengers, like pointing at ass. Yeah, that's not like midnight. Yeah, <laughs> sure, like, I when were those made? In the nineties. Oh. So yeah. You can find a lot of so, weird esoteric Marvel cartoons on yeah. weird times on those channels. Yeah. It's funny now at the point where I flip through the guide and I see like Spider Man, Iron Man, and I go like, man. <laughs> like five years ago, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Well, could you, could you, could you, could you let Schlopp know? Schlopp? <laughs> and so Schlopp's last Sorry. question, and we're, this is one we're going out on, the big, oh, big, big finale. Why doesn't Logan donate his super blood to sick people? With all that shanking people with the claws and retracting them still bloody, he probably caught several things. Why not use his blood for the benefit of mankind in the Marvel Universe? You kind of contradict yourself on there, because he has healing blood. Well, I guess he assumes that he's killed people, and he sticks his claws on them, and then he retracts them, he gets some of their blood, and then gets whatever they have, but then his healing factor cures it. So, so if you've ever shanked somebody with hepatitis, then yeah, you can be able to be able to... They're assuming his blood is like a cure-all, which it's not. It's not. Yeah, his, yeah, and his blood doesn't... It's not like using <laughs> hepatitis as an example. <laughs> I'm so glad this is the yeah. last question. Why doesn't Superman have chlamydia? <laughs> uh, it's not like it goes back in and suddenly... His blood transmutates it, and ooh, look, there's the cure He's for it. Yeah. It heals him. I think the only He's not a like yeah, He's not the, a vampire. The only person that used like healing blood was that angel Chuck Austin run. Yeah. And can we have another question to go out <laughs> on then? I don't want to end this with Chuck Austin's angel blood run. <laughs> uh, so anybody got a question in the room? I, I just, it's like when you walk into the record store and you're like, you want to buy a CD and you're just like, can't remember any of them. It's like, <laughs> I don't even read comics. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, no. Um, oh, wow. But no, his healing factor does not work that way. It heals himself, but it does not heal others. Yeah. Well, Sorry. well, on the on the X-Men tip, um, so the status quo change there in San Francisco, what do you, what do you personally think of it as an X-Men fan? Um, I like it. I, I think it's different. Um, I don't know. I, I am a, a mixed mind of it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I loved the West Coast Avengers, but at the same time, I really like it that the heroes are in New York, and maybe because I live in New York now, I'm like, ooh, I'm here. Right. Um, 
I'm a little, I'm a little biased in that regard because I'm in San Francisco, so I'm like, ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it opens the doors to new things. It kind of, um, it kind of reinforces or, or uh, re-updates the metaphor, not necessarily like changing it from. Oh, it, well, I'm sorry. It reinforces it as a civil rights and and feeling um, different metaphor and not necessarily like sexual orientation or anything like that but San Francisco is actually an melting pot of many different cultures it's not just like a gay straight thing um, it is it's, it's a total freak show yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they completely fit in there yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it also it also gives them the chance to tell stories that they haven't told yet which is now they're in a place where they are completely accepted so, what happens now? Um, you know, and there it's not just the location. They are in their own area, and yes, it could be considered a pocket universe. Knowing where they're going, they're building to a really... They've been building to a really great story. The side complex, I think, was met um, by X-Men fans with great applause. I think a lot of people really liked the side complex as a whole. Like, it's an old-school field crossover. And if you actually go back and you read the six to twelve issues leading up to each of the books that tied in, knowing where Messiah Complex led, you will see that they deftly kind of moved places or moved pieces into place that they needed to be at. So the Messiah Complex could start off with a bang. Uh, that's happening right now. That's so all of the stories that are going on in X-Men right now, some people may say, oh this is plotting or this seems like it's off in its own thing. Like some people are real quick to write off Cable, and that's probably your biggest mistake. Well, uh, I believe Ron did that. I, I, did. I did. Well, I'm, I'm keeping an eye. Do you know who the yeah. baby is? Yes, sir. Is it Gene? He's not going to answer. Son of a bitch. I'm going to ask the tough questions. What is going on in X Factor? What happened there? The wheels totally come off that bus? Meaning. It's been not good. It's been, it's been, it was, and, and that's been the poor book. That was the book that all three of us loved, and it got pulled into every crossover and every event, and I think it's really suffered. See, I don't think that, I think actually Peter did a really good job of making it fit into crossovers. And you know, he, no, and that's I, only if you were into the crossovers. Like, from someone like Josh, who's only reading I don't X read X-Men books at all, because but I've been really enjoying X-Factor, and then it got stuck in this other stuff, and I didn't know what that was, and I was like, well, what happened to the X-Factor story that I was... But see, I I would almost disagree, I would actually disagree with you on that because I think that Messiah Complex uh, shot that book forward, especially given that uh, you may have been a little confused by the other characters yeah. that wove in and out, but I don't think that the book suffered for it and the overall storyline because of the ramifications it's had for Jamie and uh, for Layla yeah. Miller, it's moved that storyline forward. No, it definitely that that one did help. But I mean, but just the fact that it's funny because we talk about the X Men being on universe and X Factor was the book that got pulled into Civil War, right. it got pulled into Secret Invasion, it got pulled. I mean, like, the, well, look what happens. Yeah. There's your morality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just kidding. I think yeah, I think I, I think it's a really good book, and I think it's I think it's consistently stayed a good book. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's a noir book. It's it's it's. I don't know anymore. It was. I give it a little bit, you know, yeah. just like the X-Men are living in San Francisco. They have to establish their identity now in Detroit. Right. Um, and so just like any time you change up a little bit of a status quo. Nothing I, good happens in Detroit. Justice League shows that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
<laughs> Superheroes Detroit, not a good mix. Let me, uh, let me, here, go on a, a, a positive note. Okay. How, how, no, absolutely. <laughs> how, how great is it when you can wake up in the morning now and you realize that your job, the thing that you're doing, is the thing you've always wanted to do your entire life? It's mind-blowing. Uh, I mean, like, do you not believe it sometimes? Uh, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, no matter what, like, it, I, it's, it's the one thing that's, when I, uh, when I get frustrated, because, you know, even when you do get your dream job, Every job you get frustrated. frustrated. You get completely frustrated, and you want to just bash your head against the wall and scream, and you may have, like, a tough day, but at the end of the day, I uh, don't have to market urinal cakes. Ugh. Um, you know, like... Awful. I was at the urinal cake company for a while. It's the worst years of my life. <laughs> you know, they have different flavors. Nobody cares. I, I am doing the thing that I set out to do, which I cannot believe. I'm actually, and especially now that I'm starting to write, mm -hmm. I really don't believe that. Like, yeah. uh, I've had a couple of eight-pagers here and there, but when I start seeing things in December coming out, like the what if, and then when the reunion starts, or... Things like that. You're going to freak out when you go to the comic store. Oh, I, uh, absolutely. I, I've, I, I've had a couple of people ask me to do signings at their store, and I'm like, yeah, what yeah. am I going to sign? Oh, <laughs> God, that's right. Um, You're ready but, to book the creators. Yeah. <laughs> so the writing aspect is, is mind-blowing, on top of the fact that I still haven't completely grasped. I mean, I get up in front of a crowd at a convention, and you know, I stand at the podium, and... and, and Talk to people and you know I answer questions instead of being on the other side asking them and it, you know just I sometimes I have to go um, I went to the anime festival here in New York a couple of weeks ago and well now months ago um, <laughs> and uh, it was weird to walk through an industry that I had nothing to do with mm -hmm. and be like wow. I am not responsible for a single thing here. And sometimes I do, like, sometimes I do kind of be like, well, you know what would it be like to go back to just showing up on Wednesdays, and there's my comics, and I get to enjoy them. I have no idea what's coming up next. And I wouldn't want to go back to that, really. You mm -hmm. know, I love where I'm at. And also, this is what I've worked for. So, especially when people told me that I couldn't, mm -hmm. uh, that, it was, that it was unachievable or... Not unachievable, that it was insanely unlikely, and they were right. It was insanely unlikely, and I'm so lucky, and I'm so honored and privileged, and I thank Marvel, and I thank the fans, and I thank you guys uh, for... We did it. Thank you. Yeah, so we, you owe your success to us. I do. <laughs> but no, well, I thank you all. Thank you very much for the extended amount of time you provided, and for being so cool. Very well. Of course, of course always. I know, who's, who's the baby? Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, thank you, Jim. Come on. <laughs> thank you, Jim. Is, is that the new Who's Your Mama? Yes. Uh, okay. uh, so how you doing? This has been iFanboy Talksplode. Make sure you go to iFanboy.com, check out all the great comic conversation, and you can email us at contact at iFanboy.com, and go to iFanboy.com as many times as you can to tell your friends. Just, just refresh. Yeah, just hit refresh oh, constantly. Maybe, click, you know what, click maybe, the banner. Maybe check out Marvel Comics. Like yeah. you need yes. to tell you. And go to JinxWorld.com. Uh, I have a message board yeah. on JinxWorld.com. Um, 
And hopefully by this time, jimmccannonline.com will have launched. Well, you're going for a haul. So I am. And your Twitter? It's coming soon. And your Twitter.com slash jimmccann. I am. So follow follow your Twitter. So, yes. We'll see you double end. Let's roll. There we go. (laughs) All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Even if it leads nowhere